Well, hello, ladies, gentlemen, and everybody in between. Here's a familiar pair of voices for you that have been on hiatus for a couple of months while we've been uh, getting Christmas, New Year, uh, COVID, and lots of other things out of the way. It's me, Marvellous Mark Ashworth, and the dangerous one, Mr. Brian Bradshaw. We're back for another episode of the Nitrogen Podcast, which has been laid dormant since the 4th of December as Brian's just pointed out to me, and we're actually uh, recording on the 4th of February. So yes, it's almost as if everything has come full circle from the last two months for us to go into Nitro number 57, continuing on from where we were last time. But before we get down to brass tacks, before we get back to 1996 in the wrestling world, let's check in with Brian over there. Hello. <laughs> Buongiorno. <laughs> but it's unusual as uh, us doing it this way. We've 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 had a couple of nights out and stuff like that in face to face, and and now we're sort of like back behind the microphone and in front of two screens. <laughs> yeah, we kind of need to fucking get around that. But you actually caught me off guard then a little bit. I actually said before we recorded that uh, we uh, we as wrestling podcasters have probably got the uh, wrestling podcasters equivalent of ring rust and. Uh, Holy shit, do we have ring rust here? You just said, let's just check in on Brian. Never said, how are you, like you usually do. I'm just like, uh, hello? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. As you say, it's been a fucking really, really busy time the last couple of months. Uh, Christmas, COVID, cats. Yeah, that was, that's on my, my side of it C's. anyway. All the C's. <laughs> yeah, triple C. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Triple C has run roughshod on the Nitrogen podcast. That lousy, no good son of a bitch. I do that in a JR voice, but I just ain't got the throat for it today, if you can't tell. I'm still in recovery from COVID. Like, not in the, um, Jesus Christ, I've still got the breathing issues, right? Like, I've, they've all gone. My throat is still fucked. I still sound like Doc Cotton. Which is not a welcome change, considering that I usually sound like Fern Cotton, so... <laughs> Yeah, it just sounds like a smoke 60 a day these days. But other than that, you know, I'm uh, I'm not too bad. You're getting back into into normality again. Like you've you've had work today, and you've come home, had a bath, and and we decided that we were going to put ourselves through another WCW Nitro. I'd almost forgotten how how these episodes. Oh, I, can't, I mean, I'm, we're going to get into the episode anyway, aren't we? But the, the the last run, it's almost as if we needed two months off after the after the the last three episodes, maybe because they've not been very good, have they? No, they have not. No. And uh, funny you should say that, because uh, going back to what I referred to as the wrestling podcast is equivalent to Ring Rust, fucking hell, put that on the t-shirt. Um, <laughs> when I was actually watching the Nitro, I've been watching like tidbits over the last week or so uh, in the midst of, uh, you know, in between looking after a hyperactive kitten, getting bitten by a hyperactive kitten, uh, work, decorating, all that fucking usual shit. Um I started watching the wrong episode. Oh, I, man. Yes, I actually watched the previous episode over again, and I'm like, Mike mentioned a cruiserweight match of some sort, and I haven't found it here. Okay, this is, I, I'm pretty sure I've seen this. Like, <laughs> I, I got, like, two matches in, and when I finally it finally clicked on me, and I had notes written out, and I'm like, oh, for fuck's sake. I had to just delete all of it and obviously, you know, get get to the right episode, but I got there in the end. Yeah, two, that was uh, 20 minutes over across two days wasted. Oh, dear. Yeah, because that's how we have to do it now. Nitro's been so bad lately, I can't just watch it in all, one whole sitting. It's like, if I try to do that, it's going to take me six hours. So, mm. you know, it's 
oh, I'll watch a match and a segment here on one day and then another day and another day. Just try and get it. And if if I feel like I need a refresher, I'll just try and watch it all in in one big piece without having yeah. to take notes. I'll have the notes ready, you know. I've not done that with this episode. I was just like, what one watch was enough. Yeah. Spoiler alert, it was a bad episode. <laughs> oh, did you not like it? I, I um, didn't mind this episode, I can't lie. Um, I wouldn't say it was as bad as the last three, but it's a mixed bag. Yeah, certainly not as bad as the last fucking three. Um, of course, again, we're, we're in the run-up to uh, Halloween Havoc 1996, which uh, we, we did hope to have out on uh, around Christmas. You, <laughs> you call it a run-up, and I mean and I mean that on our, our side of things, as well as WCW's side of things as well. It's been more like a trips, a very slow trips, because it's yeah. been so long since there was a pay-per-view, and it is reflected in the quality of the show, I feel. Yeah, yeah. Um, we're still in that era where there isn't 12 pay-per-views a year I mean I forgot the count of the pay-per-views at the moment but I'm sure it's between 6 and 9 yeah so it's it's a bit of a it's a bit of a weird time in in, uh, in wrestling as a whole because you, you sort of I don't know. You sort of fill in two months of TV before you've got another pay per view, and you, like you're not even including Clash of the Champions in that, are you? So yeah. And I've always been a proponent that twelve pay per views a year is a, a little too much. But yeah. if you've got the, you know, if you haven't got the right creative minds to fill in a, a, a what a, an eight week, twelve week gap between between shows between pay per views, then you kind of need the pay-per-views. I, thought, I don't think WWE in its current form could actually do that. WCW 1996 definitely couldn't do that. AEW have done a very, very good job of handling handling that. But even then, nowadays, I'm finding like some episodes of Dynamite are quite... Th- they've, they've got filler now. They've got a little bit too much filler. And, like... Mm. I mean, they have a massive roster, and they've got to give them all fucking airtime here, there, here and there. But it's like, just like I watched this week's Dynamite, just like little bits and bobs of it, and I, I just thought, yeah, th- there was a couple of matches which just didn't really catch my eye. I was just like, why is this happening? You know, it's uh, just. Uh, I suppose they're going to have that malaise at some point, aren't they? And I'm pretty sure, and I have all faith in it in AEW to get back on track, but. I yeah. think, you know, they've got a, a massive roster and they've got more TV to fill now. I mean, they've got fucking four shows a week. Like, we, mm. give, we give WWE grief for having that many shows and, like, AEW are just... They're falling into that same territory right now. But yeah. it really depends if they can have a good balance of entertainment. I don't think WWE have ever been able to do that. Even long before there was fucking 205 Live, which is meaningless now there's no more cruiserweights. And... Uh, main event which to be honest with you <laughs> up until the other day I didn't realise still existed no <laughs> you know um, yeah and NXT no, 2.0 yeah just yeah def- and hey uh, and WCW they have fucking how many shows at this point in 1996 I'm trying to think they got Nitro they got Saturday Night got Pro I think yeah. main event is one of them as well uh, it could be yeah it could be what, worldwide it's like Jesus yeah, it is a lot to digest. Thankfully, we're not fucking covering every single WCW show, because I think if we were, I, I think this podcast will die a death. <laughs> we might actually get it completed in the year 2073 <laughs> when we're old and grey. I, I like how you, uh, you're you positive that we're going to be still old and grey and alive in 1973. I'm not 1973. planning... 1973. <laughs> uh, 2073. <laughs> fucking no. I am so tired. Uh, 2073. 
Sorry. Quick, Doc, get to the DeLorean. We've got to go back to 1973 and stop this podcast from being made. Yeah, but it was made in fucking 2019. Yeah, sat, sat in my podcast chair, there's fucking uh, flames, just, <laughs> just, just a stream of flames behind, like, what have I done? <laughs> No, oh, um, Jesus Christ! <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. To be honest, like after the, after the fucking ten pints of Erdinger that I had last week with you guys, um, <laughs> don't blame I don't me. Think I'm Do not blame me. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. I'm not blaming you at all. It's I, me. I, I just. I just get a taste for it. Yeah. Um, I, I went into work rough the next day, and my manager <laughs> just turned around to me and says, "Got a bit of a hangover, Brian." I went, "How the fuck did you know?" He goes, "I can tell. <laughs> I can tell." I'm like, "I've got a bad headache." He goes, "Yeah, you look. You, you've got bags under your eyes." Like, you know, he actually said I've got bags for life under my eyes. Bags for life. Yeah. I'll charge, seems to be charged 35p for them, don't they? <laughs> 20. Don't fucking add money to it. Don't give him ideas, please. 20 to each. <laughs> I think no, it might be Morrison's that charge. No, Morrison's charged 20p as well, but they're the paper ones. Like, shouldn't be charging me for a paper bag. What the yeah. fuck are you doing? Yeah, just anyway, like, for Morrison's got the con- condensation from the bloody milk at the bottom and we'll just break through that bag. Yeah. <laughs> Well, um, I don't. Yeah, you, I, Americans have done this for years. I mean, I, I don't know if this is actually true, but I, I, if you look at any American film, American uh, drama series, sitcom, what have you, well, if there's a character done shopping, they always have a brown paper bag and they've got it under yeah. their shoulders. Like, yeah. how the fuck do you guys do that? I struggle to carry three bags of handles, and then you see people with two bloody carry uh, two of these bloody paper bags full of heavy goods under one arm and a baby in the other. <laughs> Like, is that real? Is that reflective of real life? Americans, please chime in on this. I've always wanted to know that. Because it, it, <laughs> if, if that is if that is a reflection of real life, you know what? You get my applause for managing to do that. Because that is, that is an art. It's not even a skill. It's a fucking art. It is. It definitely is. It kind of it kind of reminds me of that meme with, with Triple H um, carrying all the shopping. <laughs> oh, yeah. Ball. Yeah, all that the titles. Yeah, I think it is just one of those things. Like, I can't be asked coming back to the fucking, you know, to the shop. So I'm just going to grab absolutely everything, including the child. Yes, you know, <laughs> four bags, a child, the mm. fucking toilet roll, uh, <laughs> whatever Je- else. Jesus Christ, the American version of supermarket sweep must be a fucking game of skill. Yeah, <laughs> one upmanship. <laughs> Oh man! Right, let's let's get let's, into this. Let's fucking yes. do it. We've procrastinated enough. Two months yes. of procrastination. Two months. Two and months, now and then we pro- like, procrastinated for another twenty minutes before we started recording. And then we procrastinated for another twenty minutes during the recording. Yes. Um, <laughs> date of Nitro number fifty-seven on the fourteenth of October, nineteen ninety-six, in a location of Memphis, Tennessee, in the Mid South Coliseum, with an attendance of six thousand nine hundred and thirty people. Commentary from the usual suspects. If you need a reminder, after the past fucking sixty days, uh, Bobby Heenan, Eric Bischoff, Mike Tenet. But first, Larry Zabisco and Tony Schiavone talk who, about Elizabeth. By the way, who I've actually uh, dubbed them Living Legend Larry and Turtleneck Tony. Did you see that fucking <laughs> turtleneck sweater on yes, the I Tony show? Yeah, and Eric Bischoff replicates this later on in the night. Yeah, yeah and even more nippy. Yeah, um, it, it's a. Uh, a very stylistic 90s fashion choice, isn't it? The turtleneck beneath a cotton blazer. It must be fucking freezing in Memphis at this time of year. Mm. I imagine it is pretty cold. I mean, I'm not really familiar with the climate in America. It's like, you know, whereas where obviously certain places like fucking Florida, it's like summer all year round. Lucky bastards. But uh, 
Yeah, it's Memphis, I imagine, this time of year, October, might be a little bit chilly. You know, but he still must be fucking warm with that on. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Also, I mean, the uh, opening package, Red and Yellow Hogan is still there. I have to point that out, because it's yes. been fucking months now. Update yeah. your fucking opening intro, come on. <laughs> Just to go back to the uh, to the weather thing as well, we do get an update from Lee Marshall later on, which oh, uh, I don't oh, really I forgot go into about detail. That, yes. And he's in he's in Minneapolis, isn't he? And he says, "Oh yeah, it's forty five. So whatever forty five Fahrenheit equates to in Celsius, I don't I don't know. I, yeah. I, I genuinely don't know the mathematics behind it. No, um, I'd have to whack it in Google, and I just can't be asked. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I, he said I, it's nice. <laughs> yeah, I'm just gonna put that down to yeah, it's uh, it it it's. Dull weather, but uh, not with a chill. Right. Yeah. See. So, Darwin in the summer. Oh, nice. I'm yeah. all right with that. Yeah. On an average I, summer, not an everyday summer. We do get the odd hot day. I just wish everybody had used the same fucking metric system. It would just be a lot yes. easier. <laughs> Come on, America. Up to fucking speed with the rest of the world. You are lagging behind a little bit on this one, guys. Sorry. Um so yeah, they're, t- they're talking about Elizabeth and Macho Man uh, and the highlights go back to the assault on them by Hogan and the Giant uh, and Tony confirms that Macho is here as they cut to an army of NWO flyer givers in the crowd with the big protest signs. Uh, first match on the card. It's a bit of a corker, this one. Brad Armstrong versus Dean Malenko. Yes, I know. I have said Brad Armstrong and corker in the same sentence. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, while, while he's very cookie-cutter and bland, he can go in the ring. I've always said that. Yeah, you know, yeah. I, and I suppose with some of Brad Armstrong's ilk, it's about getting the right opponents. Mm, like yeah. I, th- I think we found that he's had some of the matches that he's had so far are mismatches, and he's had to like carry carry the opponents, or they've just not meshed for whatever reason, you know. Mm. But I think Dean Malenko could uh, he could have a wrestling match with a sack of bricks and make it look good. So. You know, and, he could. And, and and to be fair, Brad Armstrong, he does look like his bloody sack of bricks as well. So, <laughs> I guess I guess Dean is uh, putting that to the to task tonight. Yeah, it sounds quite negative, that doesn't it? Really, but actually, to to look no, like a no, sack he, of bricks he, is he, a good thing. He, he's a he's quite a tall guy, but he's he he's jacked. He's yeah, jacked. He, he does. He, he looks rugged, and I wouldn't want to piss him off. Mm. You know, he he, he would. To be honest with you, I don't think I don't want to think what he could do with me. To be honest with you, <laughs> he's got a kind face, but yeah, he just looks like a mean bastard at the same time. Yeah, yeah. as you said earlier on about the um, the multitude of WCW TV shows that are going around, we get highlights from Saturday night where uh, these two actually squared off and Armstrong got the win. Um, so this is a rematch of that because apparently WCW thought, oh, that's really good. We'll stick it on Nitro. Uh, we start with a huge arm drag from Brad. Who is uh, looking in great shape, as we've just detailed there. I like how you just, yeah, it's not Armstrong, it's Brad, it's just Brad. Yeah, I tried to keep the characters down because I'm sick of fucking having to go into a second note. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Lots of fluid technical ground wrestling with Nick Patrick still uh, showing off his old dog collar neck brace. Yeah. Uh, Tony says he believes he's not really in pain. You think, Tony? Yeah. Huge NWO chances, all the flyers go up on the camera side. Uh, Malenko with a hammerlock, whip in, leapfrogs, hip toss attempts, and one attempt to the outside, but Malenko gut checks Brad. Uh, big arm drag again from Brad throws Malenko for a loop, and there's a test of strength after a wee time outside for Dean. Uh, and Dean cheap, see, I'm calling him Dean now. Uh, and Dean <laughs> cheap, cheap shots with a drop kick. Uh, Malenko on top now 
with a back elbow off the ropes and a one count on the subsequent pin. Uh, then a modified abdominal stretch on the mat. Huge clove, uh, try that again. Huge gloves <laughs> line in the corner, uh, and a second attempt allows Armstrong to get a boot up. Then a huge missile drop kick off the top rope. It's nice. Sunset flip from Dean. Brad rolls through and gets a two count. Brad thrown in. Hip toss attempt is reversed, and Brad gets a Russian leg sweep off. A side suplex, and again a two count for uh, for a pin attempt for Brad. Uh, a vertical attempt, but Dean blocks it and reverses it into his own. Brad comes out of it, but as Brad gets behind, Dean sweeps the toes, rolls uh, rolls Brad into a weird-looking pin, and uh, it ends up being a three-count for Dean Malenko here. Uh, Dean goes straight on to the, um, the reminder that there is a little bit of a program between him and Rey Mysterio going on here, and he pulls the mask out. And pres- did he have him in his tights or did like the guy at ringside just throw it to him? I, I don't know where this came from. It was on the post. It was on the ring. It was on the post. Yeah, yes. that that, that yes. seems to be his thing now. Yeah, I did forget to detail that. Um, yeah, he, he just shows it off to the camera uh, as a reminder that he wants the cruiserweight title back. I haven't done it much justice, but the Wrestling Observer newsletter with Dave Meltzer's rating system did give it three and a quarter stars. So um, yeah, it wasn't too bad. No. Um... It were it were a decent match, yeah. Um, Brad Armstrong's best match on the podcast so far. I mean, not that, Easily. not that, not that's that's a hard thing. And no. Dean Wayne just continues to impress. Um, yeah. yeah, I'm not a fan of the finish. Um, I'm not so sure what it was trying to go for here. I think they were trying to imply that Nick Patrick is again feigning feigning neck injury and screwing up the finish, but. Mm. From from my from from what I, I I did rewind this several times to see if that if they were going farther and it, and it does look like they were trying, but yeah. Brad Armstrong's shoulders are clearly down, and Nick Patrick is in a prime position to see it and he counts normally. It's not too fast, not too slow. You know, there's just no problem here. It's just it seemed a little slow, I suppose, and out of the blue. So yeah, I, d- I yeah. didn't really, I didn't really enjoy that finish, and the match was way too short. But then again, what's fucking new with the cruiserweights? <laughs> That's know? true. But again, like, like I say, you're, you're all right, decent match. I- I'd agree with the three and quarter stars, but I'd like to see these guys get a little bit more time. Yeah, yeah. I, d- I do get the idea of, of less is more with the cruiserweights again. But the- there's always been that argument about like WCW isn't necessarily the kind of company that, that wants to be selling pay-per-views they want to be selling TV because they're owned by a TV company the pay-per-view company has absolutely nothing to do with Time Warner so you know you should be you should be putting your best stuff on, on Nitro as as heavy as criticism as Bischoff and Cole got yeah. for putting main event pay-per-view matches on Nitro further down the line the fact remains that the most money was always made on Nitro so why would you not do it yeah um I mean, my argument is you should be giving these young and hungry talent more minutes than someone like fucking, I don't know, Greg Valentine, who gets six bloody minutes plus tonight. This is true, yeah. You know, yeah. just like, you, that, that's the main problem with this, with Nitro at the moment, is like, you need to find a, a healthy balance of the older generation and new, newer generation. And yeah. I think some people should be, uh, I won't say cut from the roster, but shouldn't be getting t- uh, as much time on TV as they are doing, like yeah. week after week or every week, not naming any names, Jim Duggan, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's like, I, I just, it, it just baffles me, it really does. You're supposed to be, 
showcasing the next generation. You're supposed to be the the hottest program on TV, and we're getting two fucking whales stranded on a beach trying to wrestle in the next match. Like, just give give the younger talent more time, please. If it, it cut, just take a minute off a Jim Duggan match and give it to a cruiserweight match. Yeah, yeah. Just just find that nice balance and get it sort of. I mean. We're saying the nice balance, don't we? But these Jim Duggan things, they don't really offer anything to the program anymore. No, exactly. We, we, we're past that point now. Um, yeah, I, I see where you're coming from, to be honest. Uh, but they're all about like established names, and Jim Duggan, for reasons beyond my my comprehension, is one of those names. So I do get it, but... You know, these opponents aren't going to get over. Opponents, these bloody young young talent aren't going to get over unless you give them a ch- chance to get over. Yeah, yeah. You know, I wouldn't mind, and I, I say this with you know a little bit of venom in my throat. I wouldn't mind <laughs> seeing like Eddie Guerrero go up against Jim Duggan, and even if it means like you know this is a talent like Eddie Guerrero, a smaller guy, just uh, uh, getting beaten down and trying trying to scrape and claw his way to a victory and. You know, not quite making it, and then eventually, eventually overcoming the the bigger guy. That tells a really good story. You can you can keep Jim Duggan's legacy intact while while improving a younger talent and getting getting them getting them getting them over basically. Like I said, yeah. like I said, I was running out of words to describe that. Then, <laughs> so don't get me a thesaurus. <laughs> no, the 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 principle the. The idea of what you're saying here, it, it does, it makes perfect fucking sense. It's just, yeah, I mean, if you know. if you look at Rick Flair matches, like Rick Flair has faced Eddie Guerrero a couple of times, but yeah. in in a loss, Eddie Guerrero has managed to be, to uh, to go over to get over with the crowd by association of Rick Flair giving him so much in a match to make it look like he he can go toe to toe with him and eventually defeat him. Like that's yeah. that's the whole principle of it. That is the whole idea in in getting your younger talent over, and they're just not using all their older talent to do that. They're just putting older talent against older talent, and it just doesn't work. Mm. Yeah. It, it's aged. It's out of date. It's like, yeah, not to go on too much of a rant about it, but fucking hell, we've got we've got a bloody Jim Duggan match coming up. So yeah, let's get it out of the way. Um, <laughs> Post match, uh, well, sorry. After after this match, we go into a little bit of an advert with Deborah and Mongo of all people, who are selling us uh, denim WCW Monday Nitro shirts for forty dollars. As we come back from a break, um, a black limo pulls up, uh, and this week it's the NWO because last week obviously it was Jeff Jarrett with the second one pulling in behind, which was the giant uh, Hogan and DiBiase in another limousine. Uh, we go back to Saturday night where we see Hacksaw with the tape. Fists beat Wall Street but Nick Patrick reverses the decision after seeing the tape and gives the win to Wall Street and this is why we are here where we are right now. Now this this is a caveat. I, I do have a problem with referees reversing decision. Yes. Uh, I've spoken about this in po- podcast in the past. It, th- there was one time where Triple H got Earl Hebner to reverse a decision on Smackdown I think it were they by were- bullying him. I, I think it was raw. It were uh, was when it Chris Jer- when Chris Jericho won the title for for a couple of hours and then he lost. He he, he had to drop it back to Triple H later on in the night. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I'm very hazy on 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 the memory. Um, I think it was a, it was at a time I was suspended from school of all things, uh, <laughs> and my mate was like permanently expelled from school, which says a lot. Um, 
and all we really did was just sort of fucking ride our bikes up to Witten and then if Smackdown was on Sky we'd we'd watch Smackdown so it might have been there were highlights on Smackdown yes. of something that had happened on Raw but basically I remember Triple H bullying Earl Hebner into reversing a decision now I like that from a heel perspective and it was somewhat different like the known thing in wrestling is the referee's decision is final blah 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 but this is silly <laughs> and I know again it's just to get Nick Patrick some fucking heat which is fine it's, it's working and it worked because it's got me annoyed um but I can't really be doing with this fucking reversing the decision because I've seen some fucking tape. Yeah, and you know, yeah, and now we have the rematch. I do, and have, now it, and I do have a question though, and I am, I, I do want an answer for this. Uh, <laughs> who the fuck cares? Yeah, <laughs> seriously, you want to get heat from Nick on Nick Patrick? Give him something fucking important. Mm-hmm. This is yep. not important. This is same old bullshit with Jim Duggan and the fucking tape. Yeah. Which is yeah. so outdated, and I still don't understand why it's illegal. Yeah. And I know you've tried to explain it to me, but it just doesn't ingrain in my brain. It just—it's mm. fucking tape. It's—you see wrestlers with taped hands all the time. How is this an illegal fucking maneuver? <laughs> How is Jim Duggan meant to be a face if he's doing illegal moves? Yeah. Oh God, I'm hot. I'm hot. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't take long. No. <laughs> but I will say one thing: I did actually enjoy this match. For one wow. reason, Larry Zabisco. Ah, oh, of course. Yes. Right. And I will well, run down some of the some of the things that he comes out with in this. Uh, yeah, I've got. I think I've got one of them detailed. But if uh, if there's any more, you'll have to interject. I um, will. Oh, I fucking will interject. <laughs> I, uh, so, I will interject to the point where fucking anti-vaxxers will be saying, "Oh yeah, he's interjecting a little bit too much here." They'll I'm fucking not sure boycott. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm boycotting the podcast. Oh, let's not go down that avenue. No, no, no. <laughs> well, it's all Wall Street early on. There's a hip toss from uh, Jacksaw sending what? Jacksaw? <laughs> Whoever Jacksaw is. I don't That's an improvement. By the way, I was what? thinking Joe Rogan in my head and then reading Hacksaw, so oh. I went Jacksaw. Right. Um, um, I, I, have to, I have to point out before this match, Larry calls Jack. Uh, <laughs> I knew I did it myself. Duggan, <laughs> a Neanderthalic human being. And, and yes. then Duggan actually yells at him through the ropes, and Larry just calls him a big stupid idiot. <laughs> and I'm like, "Yes, Larry, I'm all the way. With, I'm, I am with you all the way here, buddy." Yep. On the on the outside, as Wall Street's on the outside, there's USA chance, even though both of these are from the USA. Again, doesn't fucking work. Yes. Wall Street on top again with a clothesline, eye rakes, right hands, and a snap mirror into a sleeper. And this is the point that I do have detail from Zabisco. It says you can't play beat the clock with Duggan. You have to play beat the moron. <laughs> <laughs> yes, um, he, uh, he also said he's a national alley-oop champion. Now, I don't know what the fuck that means. I just... The alley-oop is... It's a terrible wrestling move. It's fucking awful. And it was Big Show's finisher for a while as well. Like, Jesus. you know, it just looks like it, he fucks it up. It's like it's like powerbomb position, lift him up, and then just throw him backwards. Yeah. You know, it's awful. But, yeah, so, but I don't know what that's supposed to mean, but it did make me chuckle just because of how stupid it is. But the best comment of them all in this, and honestly, I busted my fucking gut. Larry says the human brain, the human brain is made of eighty percent water. Jim Duggan must have Lake Michigan in his. <laughs> <laughs> Come with me, entertain Larry. Yeah, such a winner on this one. Uh, such a fucking winner. Back to well. Uh, back to the well. Speaking of water, back to the well with the with the with the what? No idea. No idea. Uh, <laughs> Who cares? D- 
Duggan like a cartoon character swinging wildly in a really cheesy way while Wall Street manoeuvres around to keep an advantage. There's a sleeper again and this time the crowd gets loud and Duggan comes back with fists but he's sent down with an elbow. Wall Street's off the top but Duggan gets a foot up uh, and here come the tape fists but no! Wall Street is up and Duggan is down. Wall Street goes for the tape but Duggan is now up and flies in with a clothesline from hell and it's three for Duggan. Clean. Clean. I will fucking add it was clean. Yeah. But just a little bit of fucking a little bit of shenanigans going on with the old uh, the old electrical tape or whatever the fuck it is he uses I don't fucking know anymore okay yeah uh, so yeah that's that one out of the fucking way <laughs> why he asks where's Nick Patrick when you need justice <laughs> right and I mean yeah I, I'm pissed too Larry I had to watch that shit also but I mean it says a lot when you're calling for Nick Patrick to fucking improve this I mean but <sighs> He has been de- de- very defensive of uh, Patrick throughout all all of his chicanery, so it kind of makes sense. But like, it just really underscores this fucking match and and Jim Duggan in general. Like, yeah, very true. Yeah, very e- true. even I was calling for Nick Patrick to be involved in that match. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care. I don't care if he fucking screwed Nick Pat. Uh, uh, if he screwed uh, Nick Patrick, screwed Nick Patrick. What is that? But that would be interesting. Um, <laughs> Nick screwed Nick. <laughs> yeah, your I, best Vince impression. <laughs> I'm just thinking that myself. <laughs> I don't know why I, I, I had Nick screwed Patrick, but they just sounded really homoerotic. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic yeah. stuff. Oh, man. Oh, right. <laughs> Let's get past this. Uh, next up, it, well, it's not going to get any better, is it, really? Hugh Morris versus Jim Powers, who's accompanied to the ring by Teddy Long. Bear. And um, Morris is still without <laughs> Jimmy Hart. What's going on? Yeah, I, I, I honestly even, don't know. Well, at this point, I'm like, why even having him in the dungeon at all? I, I think he'd probably be better off just parting ways and having a chance to flash out his character as a single competitor without the dungeon gimmick. I, I, well, yeah, know, he's a decent enough wrestler. You yeah, know, I, he impresses me a little bit in this match. Um, not, not there's a lot to go off, but there's like certain little flashes of his ability that I'm like, whoa, that's actually quite impressive. Like his, yeah, uh, in particular, his vertical leap. Like mm. Jim Powers is, he matches him for height, and seamlessly several times in a row, Hugh manages to leap over him without Powers ducking all that much. Like, really, really fucking impressive for somebody that's such a heavyset guy. Like, he's not fat, fat, but he's got a barrel belly there, you know. It's like, that must... It takes some athletic athletical ability just to be able to do that, so... Yeah, like absolutely. That, and I know he's done it in other matches, but it really... It, it, it stuck out for me in this match because, one, the match is boring, but other than that, it's because Jim Powers is almost, if not, the same height as, as Hugh, so, yeah... Really impressive, but that's you know you've got the match to bloody run down. I've just spoiled that. <laughs> oh, um, did you, did you see the camera work for Jim Powers' entrance? By the way, I I did, but I don't think I've ne- I have not noted it down. Yeah, it, it seems it looked like somebody had fucked up. Like the camera got stuck on the rigging, and it just like spanned down a little bit. And I thought, okay, so it's got trapped somewhere. No, they go in front and they do the exact same fucking thing. They do a spinny bloody whirly thing. Like, <laughs> Kevin Dunn's fucking in the, in the produ- production booth. <laughs> very odd. Yeah, I'll have to have a look, look back at that one. Just trying to add, add, add something to to, uh, to Jim Powers. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. 
Tony mentions uh, a special thanks to Mr. Lawler. Yes. Who was, <laughs> as we detailed last week, tried to make people not buy tickets to the WCW show today. Instead, this is apparently the biggest crowd ever in this venue. Yeah. What's Tony say? Pardon? Do you remember what Tony said? Oh, yeah. He says, uh, we'll see him in the flea market. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I actually forgot all about that. I mean, yeah, it's been three months, but yeah, I actually generally forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's a little bit more about that later on. Uh, not that instance, but uh, yeah, anyway, a little bit more Jerry Lawler uh, shenanigans. Yeah, interesting. Day, that shenanigans, I think. Uh, yeah. Side headlock from Powers sent into the ropes fast and thrown down with a shoulder. Uh, rinse and repeat, but Hugh is down and up with a leapfrog, but Powers, Powers, Hugh up with a huge slam. Two corner whips, a hit toss, and a clothesline from Powers. Hugh out for a moment, and when he comes back into the ring, uh, a kick and a clothesline gives him the advantage. There's a chalk on the rope to the count of Nick Patrick's five. Uh, a vertical from Hugh, a clothesline, and Hugh teases the moonsault but opts against it. A body slam, a tease again, an attempt at a comeback, but Hugh is back on top with another slam. Uh, Powers back up and slams Hugh's head into the corner a few times. A sunset flip from Powers gets a two count. I I have to point out when he does that um, sunset flip, there is a woo scream, and I don't know who the fuck did it. I don't know if that was Jim Powers or just somebody in the crowd. It would it would have made sense for it to be Hugh Morris, wouldn't it, with noises like that? But yeah, exactly. But why would <laughs> and well, actually, maybe it was Hugh Morris. Like he is a character that is essentially. He's a man of very different emotions and things like that. Maybe he's a yeah. sucker for punishment. So like, oh yeah, he's going for a ride. Woohoo! I don't fucking yeah. know, but yeah, it was just really fucking weird. <laughs> I don't, I don't think that Jim Powers could make such a bloody noise. Like, I just, no. I imagine he's got quite a deep voice, and if he tried, yeah. it, it was too high pitched for him. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I would have thought I, I it'd to, be Hugh Morris, but yeah, you, you, I, I, I didn't notice it to be honest. So. I, I had to bring it up because I just thought it weird totally um teddy long is up complaining about how slow the uh slow the count is which is uh, ironic while powers uses this to his advantage to give a low blow um no offense from powers sorry more offense from powers and a big running power slam should have had it wrapped up for powers but patrick counts one this time and no more teddy and patrick are now livid uh Hugh is up and simply punches Powers in the head, but Powers turns it around and throws Hugh into a corner. Nick Patrick was heading that way and dodges out of the way in a spot that hurts his neck. Smoothly done from these three, allowing the roll-up from Powers to be frustratingly missed by Patrick, who is holding his injury. Uh, Patrick finally gets down to count, but counts to two when it's a clear four or even five or six count, with Teddy and Powers again furious to the point that Powers grabs him. Um, And I... Ended it there. I, I don't know what happened after that. <laughs> yeah. Um, did he DQ him for putting his hands on him? No, Hugh Morris got the pin. Oh, did he? Oh, yeah. right. Yeah, he gets he right. hits an all laughing matter, and then Patrick has no problem with uh, with the pin there while he's holding his neck, but it's just a proper, you know, normal count. Uh, yeah, fucking pathetic. <laughs> That's what I think, to be honest with you, I like the fact that we have a heel referee, but... The bullshit is just getting in the way. It's getting in the way in matches that it shouldn't, sh- that it should have nothing to do with. Like, right? I, 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 if if it's the NWO or someone affiliated with the NWO, then I can understand it. 
But when he when he's doing this in almost every single match with people that he's not aligned with, and he's choosing whether to count for the faces or count for the heels, depending yeah. on the match, like it, it just makes no fucking sense to me. You know, I know they're trying to get put over the possibility that he's inept, but you don't need him to have this character to to put over that he's inept, considering that we've been watching him for for over a year now, and on a general basis, he is an inept referee. Yeah, and that's yeah. going to come into play in a year's time. So, mm. yeah, I, I'd rather they didn't have him refereeing as much. Just play into the fact that he's got a, a, an injured neck and have him referee certain NWO matches or just like the odd match with a heel in and actually, actually work in the heel's favour every single time, not just like just randomly who, choosing who he's going to work in favour for. Yeah, yeah. The only thing I've ever really thought about this is that he's kind of sabotaging the show. So, like, he's sabotaging the show for the NWO, just trying to make WCW's fucking products just, you know... know. Yeah, that make, that would make sense, but... But I think that's giving it a little bit too much credit, to yeah, be honest. Uh, I, don't think, I, I honestly don't think that has gone through the creative mind at this point. No, no. It's it's taken fucking 25 years for me to, to muster that sort of storyline up. Yeah. Uh, to give him that excuse but no I, I don't think that's it at all I think it's just I think we're just generating heat and just um, yeah just trying to get Nick Patrick over as uh, just a slimy human being which you don't really need to do that because you only need to take one look at him and go yeah he's a slimy human being yeah <laughs> I mean Jesus Christ he just has one of those I, I, I'm not like I'm not a person that will just like judge a book by its cover but you know you look at a person and they might just be really really nice people but they just have a face that makes you look think fucking hell yeah there's no way that guy could be a good guy he's a baddie you know like you look at the Miz face the Miz for example yeah, yeah. that guy's a fucking heel you don't need yeah. to, you don't need him to say anything or do anything you look at him you go yeah that guy's a heel like yeah. straight away like in in, in in a character in a character when we're talking about a wrestling character or a TV character or a film character or any, anything of the sorts Nick Patrick has one of those faces I don't need always to buy, buy that he's a slimy human being. I already <laughs> believe that he is. Yeah, totally. Um, oh, that, oh, you fucking stupid thing. My notes just fucking went all the way down to the bottom. <laughs> I thought you were still, still talking about Nick Patrick, you stupid fucking thing. Like, yeah, I agree. <laughs> I agree. Truth. <laughs> Truth. Um, and this is this is a match I, I really didn't need to watch, so I, I carried on uh, carried on with the notes today. Uh, I wrote them. I wrote the previous notes a couple of weeks ago, and obviously got distracted, which is the reason why there's no fucking finish at the end of that fucking match. Um, but I don't need this now because I'm starving. It's our mate Greg's, uh, and he's facing off against Lex Luger. Um, yeah, that's what I put. Greg's Valentine. Yeah, it's uh, it's detailed that the ribs of Luger are significantly injured from last week's attack by Arn Anderson as we head into a break. I don't need to wear ribs either because that just reminds me of right. fucking Chinese spare ribs. Well, they changed the fucking mind in this match, whether it's his ribs or his back. Aha. This they, someone clearly says ribs at the beginning of the match. Yeah. And then later on it's his back. So like his injured back. And Greg Valentine, in the only only positive of his offence, is that he works the back. Yeah. You know, great wrestling psychology from the uh from the baker. <laughs> uh <laughs> to be honest, right. Uh, if you look at Greg Valentine, put a hernet on him. It does look like somebody you meet in the local Greg's. 
He probably would, yeah. Yeah. Although, I don't know, he kind of looks like the guy who'd be eating the Gregs, not making the Gregs. Eating the company profits. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking ill of the dead here. Oh, dear. Uh, <laughs> it's meant in good jest, we promise. Oh! I fucking proper fancy of Gregs now. Hold on. I get it delivered. Right. Speaking of ill of the dead, who are we referring to, though? Greg Valentine, he's dead. He's died, he died, didn't he? No, he's still very much alive. Oh, I thought, I thought he died fairly recently. Uh, if he has, I've not heard about it. But then again, why would I? Um, <laughs> right, let's let's just look this up. Uh, Greg Valentine. Uh, nope, he's still very much alive. Still alive. Good effort. Good effort. Still eating the Gregs. I like it. Yep. <laughs> look, I tell you something. If he's pounding those fucking sausage rolls, he's gonna live for quite a long time. He, he is. Yeah. He is the kind of guy that would all the fucking salt intake would actually improve his body. Like, I reckon. <laughs> I, I reckon at this point, if he like lowered the salt intake, it would be dangerous for him. <laughs> it's kind of he like used to just, get on them fucking vegan sausage rolls, man. They're fucking. They're pretty good. I actually did try them when they came out in protest of Pierce Morgan, and yeah, I I would say one thing. They're actually rather nice. Yeah. Yeah, they are. They're pretty bang on. I, I still question um, the idea of having vegan substitutes for food that you just don't want to eat because it's made of an animal. I, I still question that logic. Like, I don't yeah. want. I don't want to eat. I don't want to eat a, a pig, but I'll have a, a, a something that tastes like a pig. It's like yeah. it's, that sounds yeah. a little bit too close to home for me. I'm not. I'm not a vegan, but you know, for me, if I was to be vegan, like if that, if I could, like not silence that fucking voice in my head to a point that I have to be a vegan. I know that's, that's a shitty thi- uh, thing to say, but okay, now I'm 34, I'm stuck in my ways. Sorry, guys. Uh, <laughs> but if, if I couldn't... If I couldn't silence that voice, the last thing I would want to do is eat anything that resembles a pig or a, or a, or a sheep or any or any animal, to be honest with you. Like, yeah. I, I've never understood it. But, yeah, Greg's, you do a good vegan sausage roll. That's the one, yeah. That's absolutely right. Uh, I'm I'm with you on that one as well, to be honest. I mean, I, I I've never really got that ideology that that why 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 are vegan things made to taste like non-vegan things? It's just like it doesn't really make any sense in my head. It doesn't correlate. I'm worried- just have your own tasting things. Like, what does it what does it taste like without I- it having extra things to taste like a Big Mac? Yeah. To be fair, we do actually have a mutual friend who is a vegan, so is his girlfriend, and we could actually ask him about all this, because he is a vegan, but he's not, like, a, a very preachy one by any means. Like, he, he'll, he'll, if you ask him about things, he'll educate, but he won't... Who is that? Act- Adam. Oh, right, okay, yeah. Yeah, Adam and Mandy. Yeah, the, you know, he's he's not overly preachy about it. You'll see him on comment friends on the Langston Telegraph fucking laying into people that fucking slag vegans off. But that's pretty much it. He's like, I've had a chat with him about veganism and it's like, he's a very interesting guy. It's like, he doesn't push yeah. it down your throat. Like, he, he, he just tells you why he does it and, you know, why he's chosen that lifestyle, which is, you know, I mean, fair fucks to him. I mean, if you have more vegans like him, then you probably have a lot more vegans in the world because I think, you know, we as human beings, like, we have that that um, that I don't instinct that if people just tell you enough that something is wrong, you're go- just gonna do the exact opposite of what you tell they're telling you to do. Yeah. yeah, yeah. If you keep preaching at me, you know, fucking, you know, the uh, meat is murder and all that. Like, not to me personally, you know, but 
if you keep preaching to somebody like that, then they're going to do it. It's, it, it's, it, it, at the end of the day, we're all still like children in, inside. Like if, 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 if your dad tells you to get off the table so many times, you're just going to climb right back up there, aren't you? And tenth it, tenth it, get, get a fucking clout round the hero. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why, but in my head, I've just got this. I've got us pictured in like number thirty-nine or something like that. I mean, Dad literally telling me at thirty-five years oh, old to get Jesus. off the table. Oh no, 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 no! Your dad, my mum, Alan, those will be the least of my worries. It's fucking Helen, Helen behind <laughs> the bar. Jesus Christ, you do not want to piss that woman off. There's a reason why it says no stupid people on the door. It's a oh miracle she fucking lets me in and serves me. <laughs> I ain't fucking tempted to break by standing on her table. Jesus Christ, I'll have a black eye and I don't mean the ones on my face. Ah, fucking hell. Cauliflower knob. Nobody ever wants one of them. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good dog turn. <laughs> we love you, Helen. We really do. You're probably not listening, she, but we do. <laughs> yeah, she ain't listening to this podcast, but yeah, she's fucking great. So she I, puts I, up with a lot of shit. I'll tell you what, we should actually just show this clip. <laughs> <laughs> I'll probably end up with a black eye for real for saying all this. Have you, I think you've got her on Facebook, haven't you? You'll have to send it to me. I her. haven't, actually, no. Have you not? No, my mum has. I've seen, her, I've seen her on Facebook, I think. Um, I saw her on something. She might be on Instagram or something. I can't remember. Yeah. My mum has her on Facebook, but obviously yeah. she works for us, so... Of course, yeah, yeah. Um, did you see the uh, the first shot, in my recollection anyway, of the uh, the new Nitro screens as Lex Luger came to the ring? I actually did not. Did you not see them? Well, they're, they're up. Uh, wow. The... Um, Above the, the, the nitro Fucking set. finally. Yeah, but I yeah. actually did miss that. Mm. I, w- so, I, w- I was just like, now. I was in the fucking, I was in a mood. I'm like, fucking, I'm going to see Greg Valentine versus Lex Luger. An injured <laughs> Lex Luger at that, like, and we all know Lex Luger's selling his diabolical at the best of times. And now we've got to fucking watch him try and sell a back slash rib slash both injury. Yeah. While, yeah. I was, while I was trying to wrestle a barrel of a man. And trying to pick him up and sell that injury, trying to pick him up like it's it, it's not it doesn't make for a five star classic, does it? <laughs> no, it doesn't. And to be honest, he's going to get a little bit of criticism from me at the end anyway. So, oh, let's come through. Uh, Hammerlock from the hammer to start off here. Uh, working. <laughs> That's his move. Hammerlock. <laughs> <laughs> further working on the arm uh, as the commentators detail Lex's match at Halloween Havoc, and Zabisco blames Lex's injury on Sting. Tony again calls Hammer one of the heaviest hitters in our sport. <laughs> He's just Lex fucking heavy, mate. <laughs> yeah, just heavy, yeah. Um to take out the hit. <laughs> He's one of the heaviest in our sport. <laughs> <laughs> True that. <laughs> uh, he fails, uh, sorry, he attempts a vertical suplex but fails because of the hips or the ribs or the back or the fucking whatever is wrong with him. Um, cut to the back and Arn Anderson is sat in the back watching one of those shoddy chunky monitors that wrestling is well famed for. Uh, telepathically telling Greg's to stay on the back. I like are you t- still saying Greg's? It's not Greg, yeah. it's just Greg's now. <laughs> Fucking hell, I'm going to get hungry. <laughs> but it's like you said, he, 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 Arn is probably the one in, who instigates the back thing because he's like, work the back, work the back. Mm-hmm. Whereas it's supposed to be ribs. Arn, it's the ribs. You fucking shot the fucking chair on the ribs, you dick. But then the commentary anyway. actually do make reference to the back. I think that's I think this, that's the turning point. You see, I think because Owen's mentioned back, they think, "Oh shit, right, we'll go with back then." Or maybe so, uh, maybe Owen is smart enough to realise that Luger's not doing his fucking job. Luger's supposed <laughs> to have broken ribs or bruised ribs or what have you, and he's like, "Ow, my back." <laughs> oh no, sorry. Let me rephrase that. Ah, my back. Because <laughs> he can't fucking sell for fuck's sake. <laughs> well, to his to his credit. Uh, 
Valentine does indeed concentrate on the back, as you said earlier on. Meanwhile, the fans go mental and turn around to see Ted DiBiase and Vincent make their presence known in the crowd. Yep, that's the loudest pop Vincent's ever got, Virgil, whatever you want to call him. <laughs> uh, Tony receives message that Hogan is demanding to make an announcement tonight on Nitro as Greg continues to work the back. Um, Zabisco states Macho isn't mentally capable, Sting isn't here, and WCW is divided. Uh, Luger's still taking punishment from Valentine until a clash of heads off the rope takes them both down. Luger with a slow comeback uh, with rights and an elbow, (laughs) managing an atomic drop and a slam, but can't even get a one count. Into the corner, Valentine gets the boot up and throws himself down to cover with the feet on the ropes. Uh, Lex is pinned here, but Mark Curtis has seen it and stops the count. Lex is up and gets a torture rack on, and this one is completely over. It's a great sell from Lex during the rack, but once the bell rings... I'd have liked to have seen him sell the back and the ribs a little bit more to add credence to the idea that Lex Lex's burst of adrenaline got him through that uh, torture rack and that the en- injury is still giving him issues. Instead, he just kind of looks like, oh, it's only a small boo-boo now. I'm fine. <laughs> yeah. Um, next. <laughs> next. <laughs> I, I have nothing positive to say about that match. Selling no. atrocious, wrestling atrocious, dull, boring stuff. Just the psychology. Yeah, which you psychology is the only good thing about that match. Yeah, um, and that's because Lex didn't have to do any. To ringside the uh, with Tony and Nick Patrick featuring the cartoon net brace, uh, they took Patrick's attempted levy of a fine towards the Macho Man of a million dollars, but the WCW board has said it will only be five hundred dollars. Much to uh, Nick Patrick's Nick Patrick's chagrin, but that he will also miss the first five matches of 1997. Now, surely Tony means the first five shows, not the first five right, matches. Right, yeah, because I was questioning how the fuck does that work? And yeah. I, I don't think this is like a Premier League thing where the fixtures are announced in advance. Clearly mm. not. I'm pretty sure it's booked from week to week. So it'd be like, oh, yeah, yeah, we're going to book Randy Savage in this week just so we can we say, go. you know, he's not wrestling this week. Like, what's the fucking yeah. point? Yeah, I like that you've actually found some sense in that. Yeah, um, Patrick's just being nitpicky in it, really. Let's be honest. Uh, Patrick <laughs> Nick, does not Nick, like this. Nick is being nitpicky. Nick picky. <laughs> um, yeah, Patrick doesn't like this and throws legal threats at WCW. Meanwhile, the ace is up Tony's sleeve here as NWR Saturday night is shown. Uh, this seems to be a dark before the main shows. The arena is empty while the match is on. And uh, it, I never actually knew this existed, but the full match is apparently on YouTube. By the way, um, it was must have been either before or after the last Nitro because it's actually the Nitro set in the background. Is it? Oh, yes, I didn't see that. I okay. saw that, yes. Right. Um, the referee in this one is accused of being Nick Patrick by Tony. Uh, the referee is decked out in an NWO shirt and a hat that only burglars wear when committing crime. Uh, Patrick accuses Randy Anderson apparently, of being the NWO referee. Because he's uh, in better shape. <laughs> <laughs> no, and it, it's got to be said, Patrick does cut a decent promo. <laughs> no, he already does. But it couldn't cl- be clearly more Nick Patrick. <laughs> no. That's the funny thing about it. And, and, and honestly, right, one of my favourite tropes in wrestling, and Owen Hart, he, uh, Owen Hart, one of my favourite wrestlers of all time, is yeah. literally one of my favourite tropes. The person that's in disguise... And going out of the way to deny that it's them. Like, Owen Hart is a blue blazer, and then trying to prove to Steve Blackman that he's not the blue blazer by bringing out somebody dressed as a blue blazer, but it's all different fucking height, <laughs> different weight, and everything. You know, I'm not the blue blazer! I'm not the blue blazer! I can't do an Owen Hart impression, clearly, but, you know, just, uh, yeah, that kind of thing I just absolutely adore. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I take back a lot of the shit that I said because this, 
it made me laugh. I just took one look at him and I was, I was just howling with laughter. I'm like, it's just so pathetic, but brilliant. <laughs> Good stuff. Um, um, I, I, I do have to question one thing from Patrick's promo, though. He calls the board spineless jellyfish. Jellyfish are already spineless. I think that's the point in it. Yeah. But again, just, he's just being an idiot. <laughs> adding a noun to it, you know, it, it just makes, not a noun, but an adjective, it just makes no fucking sense. A spineless <laughs> jellyfish. It's like, well, yeah, jellyfish are spineless. Just call them jellyfish. <laughs> Even then, actually, that wouldn't work. So, just call them spineless. <laughs> You can tell it's unscripted, can't you? And he's going off off the top of his head. Yeah. Spineless jellyfish. Our two starts with Tanae and Hineen. 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 Who announced Macho will speak with Eric Bischoff. Uh, uh, Bobby Hineen. already made his way out. Bobby Hineen. <laughs> Bobby Hineen's <laughs> Chilean cousin. <laughs> Bobby Hineen Diaz. <laughs> I genuinely don't know what happened there. <laughs> I think I had a mini stroke or something. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, Macho's out decked in silver and black. Uh, he says the whole NWO are indeed in the building. And if they are, why don't we just do Halloween Havoc right now? Macho wants Hogan. Uh, and a TV has been set up to the side for yeah. to show Macho what's been happening. It's like fucking uh, film day in, in primary school, isn't it? Just that fucking yeah. TV on the wheels has been rolled out. <laughs> it's a much better fucking it's a much better like stand than the ones that we used to have though them big plastic fucking things that you can take apart oh man them days man CRT TVs and I tell you what they go for a few quid them as well now CRT TVs oh yeah I know it's insane just like to get into retro gaming places they fucking take them they love them whilst we're on that I actually once in primary school I had to have saw TV actually came in on one of those plastic uh, stands Oh no! Yeah, it actually bent it and then snapped it and it just went through. Funnily enough, the TV actually survived. <laughs> that does not fucking surprise I me. I know. Like, if, if they don't land on the screen, they survive. If they land on the screen, they're fucked. Yeah, yeah. You know, they it... are like the Nokia thirty-two tens of fucking TVs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, insane. Um, uh, yeah, the TV's set up and uh, basically Eric's going to show a video uh, to Macho Man. Oh Jesus Christ! This. Not... This video, this this uh, video from um, from Elizabeth, she sat on a tree swing and apologising. And it's like, I, I think they say it's in her back garden. But she's like in a summer dress and all that. It's like a fucking yoghurt advertisement. <laughs> <laughs> That's not what I put, but yeah, I can see, I can see your I mean, point, or, yeah. Or a fucking, you know, um, I would have I said like a Newman advert, <laughs> like a 90s Newman advert, but... Does that really work for women? Like, you know, just like, may- maybe a fucking tampon advert or... or, or Hormone or, replacement therapy advert. Or, or, may- <laughs> or maybe, like, a, you know, um, a, fu- a funeral savings for the advertisement or something. It's just so fucking bizarre. Man, <laughs> you fucking yogurt advert. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah, cool. Replace <laughs> the good bacteria in your gut, macho. <laughs> Oh my god, you've got to do that in a fucking Randy Randy impression now. You have to, you have to. How? <laughs> it's not his advert. No, but you have to do it, you know. Like, as if fucking Randy Savage was actually <laughs> fucking plugging Yakult. <laughs> 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 
replace the butt bacteria. <laughs> I can't fucking do it. I'm too fucking giddy to do it, mate. I'm too giddy. Man, that's I, fucking brilliant. Yo, I can just imagine. <laughs> ma- right, just hear me out, right? She's sat on the swing. Now imagine in her hand, she has like a, a pot of ski. <laughs> I mean, see, I swear, I swear I've seen, and I might be completely misremembering this, but I swear I've seen a yogurt advert with a woman sat on a swing, a gar- particularly a tree swing, with a sunny hat and a summer's dress and a pot of fucking yogurt, and I'm, I'm pretty sure it has to have been ski. It can't be anything else. It has to be fucking ski. Uh, to be honest, it, it kind of does ring a bell in my head. It, it's not... Um... Which what? Which one was it that they had fucking Nicole Scherzinger? She was doing one for a time, weren't she? Oh fucking hell! Oh, but I don't think that were on a swing, but it were really like because this is this is like this is bizarrely high grade, isn't it? When you look at it, yes. Because we're so used to wrestling being like kind of like in a dark, dingy arena. Well, WCW being in a dark, dingy arena, the whole the whole aesthetic just becomes that. So the fact that they're showing us a video which is outside. You know, which has a bouquet effect around Liz. She looks stunning. You know, the lighting's perfect because it's all natural lighting. You know, there's a big, beautiful fucking tree behind her. It's a proper rope swing. Um, so this is like completely out of the WCW box of what we normally see on TV. They, so it's you, fresh. You, yeah, you can imagine they blew the fucking production budget on this. <laughs> yeah, it's October. Oh, we've got a few quid left in the old budget until the at the beginning of the next year. What do we want to blow it on? I know what we'll blow it on. We'll blow it on a video of Liz. <laughs> but you, like you've said that about adverts and stuff like that, I've said that this is almost it's almost like a fucking uh, it's almost like a Britney Spears fucking music video. Yes, like, you know the old when she just started. You know what I mean? Like when she was doing sometimes or whatever the fuck it were called. Yeah, um, but. Yeah, let's get, let's get that to the context of the actual fucking video package here. <laughs> Not selling us fucking good bacteria. <laughs> Liz acknowledges she's made mistakes, <laughs> specifically by siding with Hogan and pleads for Machoff to forgive her and help her. Uh, she says she feels so alone, but that she still feels the same way that she did. Uh, and she, I think she she hints that uh, Machoff still feels the same way that he does as well when they said I do. Liz is uh, quite superbly turns on the waterworks uh, and adds a fuck ton of legitimacy to this little segment as we cut back to Nitro. It, Ooh, does, it goes on for a good minute or so, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. Um, Sorry, I had, to, I had to do. Ooh, Danon. I had to do it. <laughs> <laughs> Ser- seriously, oh. this poor fucker, this boy fucking works in a supermarket and often I work on fresh. So I'm going to be fucking working on fresh probably on Sunday at some point and I'm going to be walking past and I'm going to see something like the Yakko or the bloody Actimel and I'm just going to burst out <laughs> laughing. Pick it up. Pick it up and start cutting a promo to somebody. Mmm, <laughs> <laughs> Just do it, man. Just fucking pick it up and just go up to him and say, you need good bacteria in your life, yeah. Just do something <laughs> like that. It'd be so funny. Cooper yogurt oh, in the man. big time, yeah. Cooper yogurt <laughs> in the big time, yeah. <laughs> The yogurt rises to the top here. <laughs> Man, honestly, if you were to do that, just fucking let me know. I'll They're going to fucking be so confused. The They're going to be so oh. confused. But I'll fucking probably... That adds to it. <laughs> Fucking adds to it. <laughs> well, they fucking confused by my presence in general anyway. I don't think it's going to make much difference. <laughs> So we have genuinely just literally laughed all the way through what is supposed to be a, a rather moving and quite heartwarming 
promo video from Elizabeth to Macho Man. Almost a love letter <laughs> to the Macho Man Randy Savage that we completely just shit all over. Um, well, Macho, that, that's what the good bacteria will do for you. You'll just fucking shit <laughs> over everything. It'll clear all out goat, tell you. Uh, as we come back, Macho is completely solemn. Uh, Eric attempts, he just quite literally keeps putting the microphone in his face and says, Say something! Um, and Macho has absolutely nothing to say, he keeps pushing Eric off. Um, this is this must be the first time that I've ever actually seen the Macho Man as silent as he was. He says absolutely nothing. He paces around, not knowing what to do. He looks uh, like he's Bischoff. fucking crying as well. He does, yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, Bischoff even discards the microphone and actually like starts like pretending to actually care about Macho's like well-being and stuff but Macho just keeps pushing him off um, and he goes to the back and he almost breaks down a couple of times before getting into a limo departing having not said a word uh, and Bischoff just sort of runs off and I'm pretty sure Bischoff just goes oh shit right at the end of that segment um, yeah apart from the fact that we've just had a lot of fun with it <laughs> it was a genuinely heartbreaking segment and the acting and I've, I've said before that I've not really found Liz to be that great an actor but mm. in that video, she was fucking brilliant. She was believable, and yeah, and yeah. you know, um, Savage was just—he was just the, the icing on that cake. He was just absolutely brilliant without saying anything at all, without saying yeah. anything. He just looked a fucking beaten, heartbroken, downtrodden man, and oh, just like it—you you imagine like if they had this in like the notebook or something like that, you know, these two in the notebook, that would be like. It would win all the fucking awards. Yeah. If they had yeah. this stat, uh, type of acting, these two in the fucking notebook, they would win all the fucking awards for it. You know, that's that, that's the vibe I got from this. Something like the notebook. Like, just absolutely fucking heartbreakingly beautiful acting on both their parts. Was really, really good. Um, I think it's fair to say that Liz, obviously, she's only got one camera on her and a fucking boom mic, and then that's it in this beautiful setting. Yeah. When she's out live, it's a, it's a different ball game in it, but she com- obviously comes into her own when, when it's a pre-recorded thing like this, and she might have a couple of takes, and she's learned all the lines and whatever else. Um, it just seems to be like that she gets very wooden. She almost petrified of being out in front of a live crowd in amongst, you know, live action things that are happening. Yeah, um, makes yeah, sense. Yeah, I agree. Fucking all of it, just fucking bang on. Yeah. Absolutely bang on. Some of the realest um, <clears throat> and uh, it, it's definitely the most realist segment we've had so far, and I mm. and I do include all the NWO stuff, the back, back uh, backstage assault and all that. This actually does come from a real place, from real emotions, and yeah. both have clearly tapped into that to get this segment over. And it must be fucking hard for them to do that because I'm pretty sure will they be back together at this point in real life? I, I think they did reunite. For a short period at this time. I think so it's what? later on. Yeah. I think it's later on. I don't think it's happened at this point. You know, I know. Yeah, but they have been they have been apart for a few years, you know, at this point. Yeah. But those feelings are still there. There are feelings still there. Hmm. You know, and it shows here. And it, 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 I've never been one for, for, like, wrestling, for tapping into, like, real-life stuff, because most of the time they tend to do it a disservice do it very ham-fisted like here you know they, they just do it perfectly they, they, they don't step over the line at all yeah yeah you know you, you can tell that both 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 these people they might be slightly uncomfortable doing that doing the segment but they know that it's gonna do good business and it does great business for me absolutely absolutely yeah um obviously there's the the uh 
sorry, I'm saying obviously. Um, fucking hell. Uh, <laughs> going back to what you were saying there, he's, he's basically, you know, like I said, they do they do reunite somewhere down the line. I think I think it's I think it's going into 1997, maybe mid 1997. Who knows? This might have fucking stirred emotions like legitimately. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, like, it could have been like holy fuck. You know, we've got to work together again, and, and they've rekindled the romance. But the one thing that I've always heard is that like those two were sort of meant to be like there's even partners of Macho Man that have said it was always Liz and Macho like them two were meant to be together yes. it's just like his temperament just wouldn't allow them to be together and they, they parted on they were always friends they parted on such good terms just knowing the fact that in some sort of cruel twist of fate that they could never be together even though they were supposed to be together yes it's really quite fucking devastating when 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 you really dig into the into the match all this storyline it's such a volatile relationship but they are they are meant to be and they will be up in you know up in the fucking clouds yeah together it makes you it- can't imagine them being with anybody else you can't i can't and i saw this this, this is like the, the peak of my fucking wrestling fandom in 99 um i i see liz with lex and it doesn't work no you know like they were together and obviously that's when she when she passed away with when lex was with her that just doesn't in my head it just doesn't work like no. that's just kayfabe that to me yeah <laughs> it, they never they never had sex you know what i mean it was always macho and liz and it always it always was and it always will be yeah and it's shit like this that makes both of their their demises all the more heartbreaking i mean yeah. you know liz is one thing you know how she died and lex is always going to be you know he's going to be forever tarred with that you know there's no escaping yeah. that no matter how many times People can say he's a changed man, he's a better man these days. You know, maybe, you know, he, I've listened to an interview with him quite recently and he is, he is very humble these days, but he st- yeah. he has fucking blood on his hands and he has to live with that for the rest of his life. You know, and it, mm. again, it's fucking heartbreaking and how she passed away. But, you know, Savage, he did manage to find true love elsewhere from Liz, but it's just the fact that it was what, a year, maybe two years after he, he married her that he ended up having a heart attack and dying behind the wheel. Yeah. You know, it, it just seemed like, as you say, these two were destined to be together, but a cruel twist of fate prevented that from happening. And another cruel twist of fate has kind of reunited them as well. Yeah. You know, yeah. but not not in human form, but in spirit form. And I mean, that's bittersweet, but I think... If you grew up with these two and you were fans of the whole storyline in WWE and in WCW, you really want these two to have their redemption. Yeah. To, the, to have their redemption story. And it absolutely fucking sucks that we never got to see that. Yeah. Yeah. This is like, we're laying this out now. This is like a fucking amazing movie. Yeah. Like you just said about like the notebook. Yes. It is an amazing movie. Yeah. I, I honestly, um, I'd love to see a movie about these two as hard as yeah. uh, as hard a watch as it will be you make a biopic in the style of you know Fre- uh, freddie mercury you know bohemian rhapsody although yeah. factual you know i mean it's a lot of it's been deep uh, debunked or uh the elton john uh i can't remember uh his, his biopic what it was called uh rocket man rocket man that's the one you know there's more of a fucking musical that though yeah yeah because we we went to go and see that it, it's less a biopic it's it's more of a fucking just it's just a musical yeah but you know in in that theme of that like, premise oh it'd be fucking amazing yes yeah i i would like would to see it but obviously the Poffer family whoever whoever owns the rights to uh savage's name these days i'm guessing it's larry now isn't it because uh mama Poffer sadly passed on a few years ago hmm. um 
yeah, I imagine it'd be him that owns the rights and that. Um, it, if they could commission it, I, I'd I'd be absolutely fucking delighted because, again, it's it's such a good tra- but tragic story that yeah, it it put in put put into a script put onto the big screen. That's big business because that will attract. Because yeah. you hear that story, you lay out that story, and that is going to parlay into the mainstream. It's not just going to be wrestling fans that are going to watch that. It's going to be people that are a sucker for that stuff. Of course it is. Yeah. 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 I imagine my mum would watch something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Because there's so many other things that are going along with it as well. Like obviously be, being in wrestling, the temptations, you know, steroids, drugs, mm-hmm. alcohol, women, you know. The, the the strains of the relationship obviously and again like you were saying like so many people we, we still look at liz and macho as like as as they're they're on a pedestal they're, they're that number one wrestling couple oh. everybody will say it's triple h and fucking Stephanie. No, no 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 it's the, them These two by a fucking country mile in it and like we hold them in that regard even though it was a turbulent relationship that, that was violent you know, Macho, he, he's not squeaky clean by any fucking stretch of the imagination, oh, but the fact of the matter all. is, they, they are the, 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 the ultimate fucking couple. They were just so in love with each other. And if we can get a fucking Netflix-exclusive biopic on Hulk Hogan featuring Chris Hemsworth, why the fuck can't we get something as riveting as the story of of Liz and the Macho Man Randy Savage it just it just baffles my fucking brain. Yeah, because I have no interest in seeing. I watch it, but I have absolutely no interest in fucking seeing. No, uh, I watch it to in, see in the premise re- of Hulk Hogan's yeah. thing. I, I'd watch it to see how revisionist it is. Yeah, there's that as well. Yeah, that, yeah. that's see, your... I, I, I mean, I, I mean the, the Macho one, I, I would tweak a little bit here and there. Yeah, of course. I mean, you have to. You have to take creative license a little bit. Yeah, yeah. You've got you've got to you've got to take that creative license just to get it over the finish line. Like, you don't want it to be too perfect. You want to have something to latch onto that you don't know. That doesn't exist, just to hmm. to pique your interest that little bit further. But Hogan's, yeah. we all know it's going to be revisionist. Yeah. You know, yeah, it, he's it going to be made to look like the greatest guy that's never done fucking anything wrong. You know? Well, he did, invo- he did invent penicillin. What? <laughs> I know. I've not heard that one before. <laughs> Jesus Christ. We'll get to it. But no, it's a fucking long shot. But if anybody in fucking film, TV, Hollywood, whatever, is listening to this podcast and you haven't thought about doing a biopic on fucking Macho Man and Liz, you pull your finger out of your ass yeah. because it's going to be better than The Notebook. Yeah. And look at what The Notebook did. Yeah. Just don't... Honestly. Just don't it's cast... It's the perfect love story. Yeah. Just don't cast Chris Pratt as fucking Randy Savage because you seem to just cast him for everything these days. <laughs> yeah, not a. No, I, I, um, actually, that that, that opens uh, a good discussion. Who would you have portray Randy Savage? Um, well, obviously, it's a good question. And Liz, actually, it is a good question. But there's people out there that are way more qualified. The the, the best example, current, like literally dropped today or yesterday, is the Pam and Tommy thing. Now, when they cast, I forgot her name so I apologise, whoever they've cast for it to play Pamela Anderson, I thought there's absolute, and I had the massive, the biggest crush on Pamela Anderson when I was growing up, like pre Who did and everything like Come that. Come on. I was, in, I was in, fuck it, I was infatuated with that woman. Um, I thought, this is never going to fucking work, she looks nothing like her, she's too thin, she's not even blonde, I've seen the fucking trailer, mate, 
and it's hard to fucking differentiate who's who. It really is, and whoever's playing Tommy Lee as well, he, he's doing it. He, he looks bang on as well. So whoever's whoever's casted that has done the most amazing job. Um, I'd want them casting whoever's going to play yeah. Macho Man. No, I, play Elizabeth. I, I do get that, <laughs> but it, for for the interest of discussion, you want to look at like people that are well known. Like for me, if I was going to cast Miss Elizabeth, I think per- per- pertaining her acting ability and her facial structure, Natalie Portman would make a good Liz. If you look at her face, her face is very similar. The only thing is, it's a little bit slimmer, but she, it, you know, change her hairstyle and she would pull Liz off. I feel. But yeah, it could work. Uh, yeah. As far as uh, Randy Savage, that is a very loaded question because now I'm trying to think of. Like actors that just have like the the eyes, the like the intense eyes and the the ability to grow such a fucking beard. Like it's really, really hard to actually think of anybody off the top of my head for that. Yeah. Um I mean again, growing growing the beards all fucking makeup and stuff like that, and it there's this like it, everything's so um what's the word? Like so authentic now, isn't it? Like yeah. it looks so real. Um, you wouldn't. Yeah, I don't think you'd need the beard to be honest. Um, actually, I don't know. It's a fucking good question. This it's a really good question. Now, I've actually just like searched bearded actors, and one actually has come up. And I look at his eyes, and if he grows her out, it could actually make a fantastic Randy Savage from appearance. Maybe not acting ability. I don't. I've not seen him many serious roles he's more like comedic roles and things like that but if he could actually he, he could probably nail the voice actually he's got a deep voice nick offerman now i'm not sure who that is right he was he was in parks and rec right i'll i'll send you a screen cap of him with his beard now his beard is gray so i don't know why i screen cap that instead of just downloading the image but okay uh, but he's <laughs> it, it, like he's got the eyes he's got like the facial structured down to a T but yeah he actually has the look for me if he just grew the hair out he probably he probably could pull it off plus he's like he's mainly a comedy actor so he'd have the oh shit my mic's have fell he'd have the comedy down like the, the ah, he's got the eyes as well yes exactly eyes. Nick yeah, Offerman yeah. it'd be fucking perfect for just the look yeah, alone shout. yeah a lot of the time's going to be spent with macho with glasses on anyway and, and kitted out in it so yeah. But I think, yeah, you could get if you could just get that look, you know, that that stir that Macho has, that intense stir. If it could get that nailed down, you've probably got a good fucking shout. There. Well, to be fair, that's a really, really good. To shout. be fair, he actually he was in Parks and Rec, and uh, in that he did a lot of fucking cold stirring. So <laughs> I think he's probably got that down. Awesome. There we are. We've just fucking cast it. Boom. Another. <laughs> I know. I know. It's a really uh, another another one. That it's kind of like, again, a guy that's pretty much in, any, in anything and everything these days. Ryan Reynolds with a beard, he does have a little bit of the look as well. But, <laughs> you know, just for sake of it, let's not cast Ryan Reynolds as Macho, macho Man, please. Yeah, probably wise, yeah. Funnily, uh, funnily enough, the other options are fucking Jack Black and Kevin Smith in the, in the results. And I'm like, no. No, please no. Well, I don't know. Jack Black's crazy. I don't know. He's got that exuberant sandy. He's but too fat. It's too comical. It, it, yeah, and he's too uh, fat as he well. He's big. He's big. Yeah, he is. 
and too pro- yeah. and probably too small. I think another thing, Nick Offerman is quite a tall guy as well. So, right, right. Let's move yeah. on. <laughs> there you are. Yeah, uh, and shout out to Lily James as well, who's who's Pamela Anderson in that new thing. We know she listens. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> let's get back to the fucking notes, shall we? Because we've got a we've got an interesting one coming up now. Uh, hour two. I think that's what we just we've just gone into, haven't we? Uh, yeah. How we too? Macho man's just uh, come down. He's he's a bit tearful and he's left. Yeah. NWO shirt advert. Buy the shirt. Uh, and to the desk, Heenan gives Eric shit for bringing this to the forefront with match of Macho's mind with the video. And you know uh, what? And says I fucking agree with him. Yeah. He's not in a good way. Tanae agrees as well, saying it's a distraction before in Halloween Havoc. Good job, Eric. Um, yeah. Next up, Eric Eddie Guerrero I, versus I, I the say, Cheetah Kenan Kid. Heenan backing up Savage will always be weird, but I love it. I really do. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, um, quick split uh, split screen promo from Eddie on DDP who calls uh, DDP a one move wonder. Obviously, the diamond cutter, which just puts it over even more. Yeah, uh, reminding everybody that he's already beat DDP for the um, Super Bowl ring, Super Bowl, Super Brawl ring. <laughs> what were it? Whatever it is, nobody cares. Lord <laughs> and of the we'll ring. do again. Yeah. Lord of the Ring. That's it. I should have got that. Yeah, it was actually quite a generic promo, to be honest. It was. It was. Yeah. 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 Player one is ready for the match. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that'd be a pretty cool thing to have on a loading screen in a game. To be fair, yeah. <laughs> Rather than just it being a loading, I don't know what games are like now. I know loading screens have been cut drastically since fucking SmackDown versus Raw. Almost Trish Stratus used to just yeah, got, and everybody just wanted that to stay on. But yeah, I've got an Xbox Series S. Loading screens are pretty much non-existent on it. Yeah, yeah. Um, who's the cheater kid? I have no fucking clue. I'm just gonna say Billy Kidman. Nope. No. Too too uh too talented Billy Kidman. <laughs> I didn't to be honest Google with you, gives you the wrong answer on this. To be honest with you, I didn't walk at the fucking tan. I'm not Eric Bischoff. I don't give a fuck about people's tans. <laughs> I call you out, Eric. Um no, I Shall... Yeah, so Google gives you the wrong answer on this. So I had to, I had to pause the nitro whilst I was doing the notes because I thought, oh no, I can quickly I can quickly see who it is. Uh, sh- and I completely disagreed with Google. Sh- Straight away, I was like this is a lie. Right. Can I have another guess? Shawbo. Yeah, of course you can. Shawbo. Uh, no. No. Yeah, he's probably a bit too tall for Shawbo, isn't he? He is quite yeah. a tall guy. And I don't remember yeah. Shawbo actually ever doing a powerbomb like he does. Um, <sighs> I'm fucking stumped. Perry Saturn before he had the tattoos. I don't fucking care. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know at all. I, I'm, I'm, Please just throw it into Google. I'm drawing, I'm drawing a blank. Uh, right, okay. Um, Cheetah Kid WCW. So, Cheetah Kid WCW. Rock or Rock? That is not Rock or Rock! See? <laughs> Never in a million years is that Rock or fucking Rock. Every result gave me Rock or Rock, and I was like, I disagree, Google, and I'm going to prove you wrong. Anyway, I proved him wrong. Google's wrong on this one. Completely fucking wrong. The man is, in fact, Rocket Iakea. Rocket Ayakea? Yes. Well, so um, Prince Ayakea? Technically, yes, but not the Prince Ayakea that appears in WCW later on. Because I, I was going to say, because there's a match here for 97, it says Prince Ayakea versus Cheetah Kid. Yeah. So then there's the artist formerly known as Prince Ayakea, isn't there? Yeah. So it's almost as if this, the Prince Ayakea thing was, was passed down to somebody. Um, right. So- yeah, it's Rocket Ayakea. Uh and it makes a lot more sense. <laughs> right. Well, I think he retired in '97. Actually, Rocky Ayakea. I'm gonna. I'm just entering uh, 
Rock or Rock, Cheetah Kid, just in case he's actually, oh my fucking god. Right. It's definitely not the same guy in WCW. No, it's not. We know. <laughs> but if you enter Rock or Rock, Cheetah Kid, you actually do see a heavier set Cheetah Kid in the worst, <laughs> worst fucking gear ever. And I don't think it's him, but it just made me fucking laugh. <laughs> um, yeah, I couldn't believe it. Under like in his wiki, right? Um, so I found this, and oh my god, he's actually quite—he's actually jacked in this picture. Maybe it's the baggy shirt, but you don't remember him being this fucking jacked. But apparently, yeah. this was Rock or Rock as the Cheetah Kid at one point. There's been several wrestlers that have portrayed that character. Yeah, yeah. But if you look at the eyes, that is definitely Rock or Rock. Yeah, he doesn't look bad though, does he? No. I like how he's got the fake moustache though. <laughs> That's fucking weird. Incognito mode. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest with you, if I was entering Rock or Rock on Google, I probably should have went on Incognito mode because I do not want his name in my search history. <laughs> <laughs> ah, fuck, I'm going to have to delete it. I'd, I'd be less embarrassed to find fucking porn in my bloody history than that. Like, if my mum went to my, <laughs> in my phone and looked at history and said, oh, porn and rock or rock? I'd be like, oh, yeah, yeah, I watch porn. Like, I, I'd, I'd just be, I'd be fine with that. Like, that is just embarrassing. It's like when my dad fucking caught me watching the uh, the war video from Foo Fighters. Like, oh, man. Yeah, I, I, I was just like, uh, watching Skulls at like 2 o'clock in the morning and that video ran and I'm like, yeah, this is a good tune and my dad fucking walked in and I'm like, uh, yeah, it would have been less embarrassing if I had a fucking porn at one, wouldn't it? <laughs> I could explain porn at least, I couldn't explain that. I mean, to my dad, I, you know, I could just say to anybody, like any any person my age, just say, it's Jack Black and Dave Grohl, what do you expect? But my dad is not going to get that, is he? No. That doesn't matter, does it? <laughs> Such a bizarre video. It is, but um, it, it's something they would fucking do, clearly. Yeah, yeah. There was a lot of mushrooms consumed that day, I'm pretty sure. Oh, they just fucking give them a, a few cameras and a few mushrooms and boom, job done. Absolutely. They must, they must have been on something, at least. Yeah. We know D- Dave yeah. Grohl used to, uh, used to partake, you know, and I think he still does to an extent. You know, he, he, there has to be an expla- explanation for his boundless amount of energy when he's on stage. Like, I can't walk to work without getting knackered, and he's fucking running around on stage all the time, like. <laughs> right, Cheetah Kid versus Eddie Guerrero. Um, this wasn't a bad match either, to be fair. Uh, Iron bar, off the ropes, backflip transition, head scissors from Eddie. Dropkick rocks uh, Cheetah, but uh, Eddie attempts another one and misses. There's a fireman's carry slam from Kid. Uh, for a one count, just kid. It's a huge, just kid. Okay, kid just kid now. Uh, a huge, rapid power bomb with lots of vigor on it, up and down. Uh, another attempted, but Eddie shifts his weight this time, and kid goes over. Eddie rushes in, and kid pulls the top rope down, which sees Eddie go outside very briefly. Uh, kid with a springboard drop kick as Eddie's back on the apron, and Eddie is back outside again. Uh, a moment outside, just a little bit of a scuffle, and then they get back into the ring, and kid goes up top. When they're back in. But Eddie cuts him off for the Frankensteiner. Uh, and a picture-perfect Froggy from Eddie gets a three-count. Uh, lots of elevation. Uh, really nice, really sweet, really smooth. Not a bad, quick fucking match, this, to be fair. No. Again, I asked why did he keep cutting the cruiserweights to, uh, short. But for what it were, it was a, it was a decent match. Yeah, it was all right. Not, Eddie not tells DDP it's... Good. 
he tells DDP it's now personal to close off this part of Nitro, which is also included, which also included an apology from Eric to the Poffo family for showing Macho the video of Liz admitting maybe he was out of order. <laughs> so yeah, not not too bad. Uh, we we cut to Lee Marshall, uh, who's apparently in Minneapolis, as we detailed earlier on, to plug WCW's Friday night event. There still can't believe it's the voice of Tony the Tiger, and <laughs> running into. Seriously, I'll never get I've over for, that. I forgot who Lee Marshall was. <laughs> I just can't, I can't get over it. Yeah, I just thought Eric makes a personal call to Lee Marshall. Not needed. <laughs> <laughs> like he's making a fucking personal call. You like, should be making a fucking call to the Poffo family here, not your fucking friend in, but in Minnesota. No, no. Um, they, talk, they, they talk about the weather. Like, it, it, well, that's it. He used to live there, didn't he? He was saying he used to live yeah, there. Again, personal call. House of weather yeah. over there. Yeah, it's all yeah. right, buddy. <laughs> Lee Marshall, uh, later on down the line, starts doing the commentary for um, the, uh, fucking hell, I think it's WCW Live, so the, the, the internet sort of podcast, if you like, that that runs subsequently alongside WCW Nitro. Yeah. Um, gives you a little bit more insight into what's happening and, and blah, blah, blah. But yeah, the, the voice of Tony the Tiger was a man in WCW, just mental. Jeff Jarrett versus Bubba Rogers next. Uh, Bubba Rogers coming out with Jimmy Hart. I... Mm was going to say I'll take the reins for this match sure yeah, yeah. if you want to I, yeah. I actually enjoyed this match so yeah there was a lot in it yeah, yeah. so uh, yeah uh, Big Bubba versus Ju- uh, Big Bubba with Jimmy Hart versus Jeff Jarrett in Jeff Jarrett's hometown he gets a fucking massive pop here obviously because it's it's Tennessee and yeah he's the hometown boy and obviously the Jarrett family we, we don't really need to go into that they're, they're huge in Minnesota uh, you know fucking Minnesota in, uh, in, in Memphis <laughs> <laughs> and Nashville and all that, all that, just in Tennessee in general. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Eric calls the- Bubba one of the faces of fear. Yes, he does. Fucking idiot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, there is a nice, neat little reference from Eric Bischoff here. He says he understands Jarrett uh, can't sing a lick. A nice dig at his WWE gimmick prior to leaving. <laughs> I did. That was the one. Yeah, yeah I forget. Yeah. Uh, sadly, in little over a year, Jeff will be reviving that very gimmick when he crawls through the dusty supplements hatch in Vince McMahon's office. Uh, little <laughs> Simpsons reference for you, though. You know, let's see how many people get that one. There is a taunt off to start the match, and Jarrett wins by a large margin. I just don't think screaming and running the ropes is going to get you over in Tennessee, Bubba. I mean, it, I, what is that? Is that a taunt? I don't know. It's just I, a tantrum. I, it's not even a taunt. Like, yeah, he also what is do, he doing? He also does the uh, Scott All thing. You know, the the uh, the stomping with the arms, arm shaking and yeah. the screaming. Uh, he does it badly. <laughs> yeah, mm. just really weird. Match officially starts. Jarrett manages to leap over Bubba. Again, impressive. He hits Bubba's elbow for his troubles. There's a lot of off-the-rocks offense here, but Jarrett gets on top with dialed-up punches. Jimmy Hart distracts Jarrett, who chases him. Bubba, this made me laugh so much. Bubba hides behind the ring steps like, shh, like just the way he's crouched <laughs> down and delivers an uppercut. <laughs> Bubba threatens to kill Jeff Jarrett with the ring steps, but the ref stops it, thankfully. Bubba walks away, leaving Jimmy to give Jarrett a punch, a, a punch, a punt, which Heenan shouts, six points. <laughs> Followed by, feet don't fail me now, as Jimmy hilariously winds up to give Jarrett seemingly the beating of his life. Honestly, I'm in so much fun with Woody Heenan's commentary here. Jimmy gets another booting after Bubba knocks Jarrett off the apron. Jimmy, de- Jimmy declaring to the camera that it's his town. The commentary put his actions down to jealousy. No, it's just because he's a dick. Jarrett goes on top and delivers a 
delivers a high-flying crossbody for two, which was quite nice. Bubba delivers a swift right hand as Heenan and Eric randomly discuss Graceland. Heenan says Jimmy Hart has a bit has bid to buy Graceland. Eric says he thinks Hogan already owns it, resulting in a slide <laughs> dig from Heenan referencing referencing Hogan's penchant for wild claims. He probably invented Elvis if you listen to him. Yeah, yeah. This is the one where he said uh, that he invented penicillin as well. I, I missed that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> said right. if you listen to him long enough, uh, he invented penicillin. Oh fucking hell. <laughs> <laughs> Jarrett fights out of a headlock and into a big boot. Bubba delivers a couple of weird splashes on a prone Jarrett against the ropes. I can't quite describe these splashes. I wonder if you can. It's kind of like Jarrett is face down on the ropes and Bubba just like jumps up and lands crotch first on his back. What would you call then? Mm. Uh, I just don't know. No, neither do I. Uh, I don't think they're very effective either. Uh, yeah. Another rally is attempted by Jarrett, who hits a drop kick. A really nice drop kick, by the way. But Bubba holds the ropes and hits a rocking punch for two, which I got a big pot for. He'll just boom it like a proper knockout punch. Hmm. Bubba, uh, Bubba toys with his prey for too long and ends up hung on the top rope after a splash attempt. Jarrett hits an atomic drop and goes to the figure four. Loud pop, but Jimmy distracts him. Jarrett levels, levels him off the apron and he drops like a sack of bricks, which gets a massive pop also. But Jarrett walks into a sit-down powerbomb. Bubba sits... At, I couldn't even describe this any other way. Bubba just sits on Jarrett and delivers several punches before blatantly swatting the ref away to no disqualification. I can't understand why that wasn't a DQ. No. Jimmy throws the megaphone in as the ref shakes off the cobwebs. But Jarrett... Fucking hell, my pages have got stuck together here. Uh, so I'll, I'll try that again. Fucking hell, the pages are actually legitimately stuck. Right, I'll try that again. Blah, blah, blah. Jimmy throws the megaphone in as the ref shakes off the cobwebs, but Jarrett drops ki- drop kicks it into Bubba's face for the win. You know what? <laughs> Not technically proficient, but that was actually quite a fun match. And the crowd was yeah, fucking was. hot throughout it. I'm actually yep. gassed again. I get gassed from reading out these matches. <laughs> I don't know how you do it, buddy. i got to get in shape, brother. <laughs> Nice. Paul Corgan, yeah. XWF. <laughs> <laughs> of all the of all the slagging off I've done a Jeff Jarrett on on the past like two episodes of this podcast, um, I, I've got to say like the crowd fucking they were right on his like right behind him in this one. And, yes, uh, that elevated the match a little bit more. Um, it wasn't. Uh, I wasn't expecting a lot out of it. I know. I know Jeff in the ring is just fucking silky smooth. Uh, yeah, Bubba is not. Oh, he's no. a bit clunky yeah. but somehow they managed to make this fucking match it's, you know, it's a, a, the, an half decent watchable affair it's a classic wrestling chicanery mm. you know just it's ham fisted it's uh, hot dogging it's all about fucking all the superlatives the wrestling terms like just playing up to the crowd and just doing silly things and yeah it's yeah. a lot of fun I mean it's probably the most I've actually enjoyed Jimmy Hart apart from his weird yeah. jumping around and all that You're like when he yeah it, it, the fact that he actually thought he could beat Jeff uh, Jarrett to, uh, to pieces was hilarious in itself. But that punk kick, it was just <laughs> terrible. But, yeah. you know, obviously Bobby Heenan just going six points just added some sheen to it, I suppose. But, <laughs> but yeah. I, I liked, I've got to be honest as well, like, I thought um, what, I've, what I've noted down is uh, 
Jerry's up, uh, a drop kick onto the me- megaphone in the face of Bubba, who was attempting a block, uh, which sounds more convoluted than it actually looked because yeah. it worked quite nicely. Like it was all so smooth, really fluid. Yeah, and like you could you could believe that that Bubba was coming up to block the drop kick from hitting his face, and forgets that there's a megaphone in his hands, <laughs> and the megaphone just goes clonk well, off his head and into the fucking it's funny, into the cheap seat. It's funny you should say this because this has happened with Big Bubba before. I, it's it's been quite a while, but. The, the the were it Big Bubba? It might have been uh, the giant, but I think it was Big Bubba. Where he's actually gone to use, uh, the, actually it was against uh, John Tenter, where he's mm. actually tried to use a megaphone and John Tenter actually drop kick it, drop kicked it into his face, and again mm. it was the same thing. It hits his head and just goes flying into the crowd. Yeah. It's like it, it, it's it's just. What's big? What Big Bubba's doing is forcing it into his head whilst actually throwing it over his head at the same time. Like, yeah. it's really clever how he fucking does it. Yeah, really clever. I'd like to actually watch that in slow motion and just see how the fuck he does that to perfection every single time. Well, both times he's done it. Yeah, we're actually, you know, really impressive. It was, yeah. I I really liked it. It was it was a fucking uh, it was a decent match. And I'll always say uh, that Jeff Jarrett is a he's a better wrestler than what I ever give him credit for. I mean, I think yeah, I th- definitely. I think the I think what it is with Jeff Jarrett where he gets let down is his fucking ego. Like you yeah. know, he, he he did put people over when it mattered in TNA, but it took some fucking doing to do that. Like you yeah. know, it's sooner sooner rather than later, the title wound up back on him. And he fucking ran the show. I can understand it to a degree, but you know, mm. and, but. It just wasn't necessary. And same with WCW. I mean, he, he just expected to be the top dog from walking in. And Vince Russo being his fucking best pal is obviously going to happen. But it was just a case of, like, his lack of loyalty. That's what fucking harmed him the most. Other than his, other than his ego, it was his lack of loyalty. Because whenever his contract was up in one company, he jumped ship to the other straight away. Yeah. No questions asked. Just jumped yeah. ship. And he always asked why, you know, he, he always questioned why Vince McMahon promised him to be in the title picture and he never got it. Well, there's that. And also, cutting a fucking promo on Steve Austin, a shoot promo on Steve Austin, probably didn't do you any favours either. But, no, you know, but as a wrestler, you know, he's a, a very good wrestler. Yeah, I have to give him that. You know, yeah. character, character is not for much. He can cut a promo, but, you know, mm-hmm. he's just, he, he's just let himself down over the years. Well, you're saying he can cut a promo. He's uh, post-match with Tony. Uh, it's announced that Jarrett will face the Giant at Havoc uh, after Flair is obviously deemed unfit because of his shoulder injury. Uh, Jarrett says he's feeling great, that the world is taking note of him uh, and that he's an impact player. I, I did enjoy that. Yeah. <laughs> Foreshadowing a little bit. Um, that he's going to make the NWO respect Ric Flair, respect WCW, respect the heritage and respect, ho-ho, Jeff Jarrett. Ha-ha. Yeah, he's just playing... So what you were saying, like, he, he can the... cut a promo. Yeah. He keeps saying... Oh yeah, ha ha, he he, like, yeah. and I'm just like, dude, stop but it. But taking into account this is 1996, like he's still, he's still getting grasped to, uh, getting getting to grips with his character and promos and things like that. You know, it, yeah. If he got it, yeah, he just doesn't quite have the verbiage down yet. I mean, some of the stuff that yeah. comes out with is actually all right, but he has, mm. he, he knows how to talk. We've got that. We've got that here. It's just like just. It's just ironing out all these little wrinkles. By the time yeah, he's in, yeah. by the time he's shaved his hair and looking like fucking Duke Nukem in bloody uh, in the WWE, he's actually really, <laughs> really good on the fucking promo by that by that point. Yeah. It's really, yeah. really fucking good. He's got rid of this 
bizarre fucking get up and, oh, yeah. and gimmick, I suppose, the as fucking, well. He just changed the gimmick slightly. Yeah, the fucking alien pimp buddy uh, gimmick. Yeah. Well, He's just like a gimmick, really but... annoying younger brother yeah. later on. Yeah, yeah. It just makes him a good heel. Um, oh, that That's the thing with Jeff Jarrett. He's just a natural heel. Yeah. And, and yeah. I mean, here though, it's like he's, he, he is being a white meat baby face. And yeah. honestly, it works. It does work because he is believable in what he's saying. Like, but mm. it's like, at the same time, I'm like, you're better served as a heel. You really are. Because, yeah. like, even your verbiage is, like, a little bit arrogant in its way. It's not confident, it's arrogant. But it's like, he it, it just has that smile on his face. It's like, ah, he can get behind you. It's like, he just has, like, that, that, that those facial features here. The, not the facial features, but the, uh, the facial movements. It just works as a baby face here. But it's his verbiage, his heel. It's like, he's saying he's the smartest wrestler alive today. I mean, really? Asking the face of Giant? Really? <laughs> All I can think of is, you better have a fucking good game plan. Because that yeah, reads... Or a baseball bat. Yeah, because that reads squash in the literal and figurative sense to me. Yeah, you know? yeah. Although I didn't fancy Rick's fucking chances either, to be fair. Like, it, it was going to be a very short-winded con- uh, contest, if you ask me. I mean, that. But, that's just a Giant short-winded. <laughs> yeah. Um, speaking of heels, uh, this is the main event. Harlem Heat, Booker T and Stevie Ray, the tag team champions in a non-title match uh, with Colonel Robert Parker and Sister Sherry versus the Faces of Fear, Meng and the Barbarian, re- representing, well, the Faces of Fear, because I'm not going to acknowledge the other one. Yeah. Uh, the, lags at, yeah, the lads at Hog Wild would be quaking with a main event like this, wouldn't they? Because nobody's white in this match. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, I, I just have to uh, point one thing out. You said the Faces of Fear. Where's Big Bubba? If he's apparently part of the face of the uh, face of fear, where the fuck is he? Wait, what? Eric Bischoff. Faces of fear is Megan Barbarian. Yeah, Eric Bischoff said Big Bubba is part of the faces of fear. Oh, did he? He did oh, in the last match. Thought... Yeah. Oh, I don't know why. I thought he said that he was part of the Dungeon of Doom. No, he just said he's one half of the faces of fear. Uh, well, he's fucked that one right up then, hasn't he? Because the faces of fear is only Megan the Barbarian. Yeah. Exactly. How bizarre. Yeah. And I think we <laughs> fucked this up considering you've forgotten that we actually spoke about that 10 minutes ago. <coughs> no, I thought you said, I genuinely thought you said Dungeon of Doom. Well, Again, it, I don't know he why. He wouldn't have fucked that up because he is part of the Dungeon of Doom. Yeah. Oh dear. Wakey, wakey. Cut all that out. Out come the horsemen at the beginning of this with Debbie. Debbie? Deborah? Um, Debbie. Mongo <laughs> says that they're going to knock the lava lava out of Meng and the Barbarian. What the fuck does that even mean, I have Steve? no idea. <laughs> What the fuck is not the lava lava? <laughs> Man, there's a lot of drink being consumed at these nitros, you can tell. Yeah. Uh, Meng is all over Booker to start, but Booker with a sidekick and then a running axe kick takes Meng down. Stevie in with rights and a scoop but misses the running elbow. Barb with chops into the corner, big clothesline, back elbow, and Barb takes, uh, takes a bow for the heat. Into the other corner, but time elapses, allowing Stevie to get a breath. Uh, sorry, the time has elapsed while he was bow- bowing. To, for Stevie to get a, a breath and to get a couple of boots up. Uh, Stevie strikes and there's a chalk on Barb, tagging Booker in straight after, and they double-team Barb off the ropes with an elbow. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, two heel teams, so f- it's pretty hard for the crowd to get behind somebody in, in this match. Um, Stevie in now, but Harlem, do- uh, Harlem don't double-team him this time. Then there's a quick tag to Booker in, and now they do double-team him this time. Uh, a side slam, Booker calls for the hangover early, but Meng cuts him off. Barb to the top with Booker for an overhead release belly-to-belly suplex. Su- superplex, sorry, it was top rope. 
Meng in now as Sherry goes mental at ringside and Meng gives her a little dance which will be on the Instagram <laughs> because I fucking loved yes, it. I did as well. <laughs> Meng dancing. This is all that is needed in life. There's a huge sit-out powerbomb from Meng as he, he fucking turns fucking around. Christ. Booker's neck almost snaps in half like fucking hell. Absolutely fucking insane. Laid um, that one in. <laughs> yeah, he did. <laughs> Barb's in again. Bra- uh, it's a backbreaker on Stevie. Um, sorry, there's a backbreak. Back- get it out now. Barb in. Backbreaker on Booker, but Stevie is in to cut off the pin. Yeah? It sounds like a fucking rap, doesn't it? <laughs> Ref misses the tag, so Meng tags in again. Uh, tubble, uh, a d- double headbutt, but there's only a two count on that one. A small package from Booker out of nowhere, and it's a two count. Uh, a very athletic sunset flip in the middle of the ring from Booker, almost in slow motion as he goes over. It's broke up by Barb as the crowd rise to their feet and look back to see the outsiders coming through the crowd to ringside with spray paint in hand. Meng, Barbarian, Stevie Ray and Booker T are all counted out of this one for going to the guardrail to confront Hall and Nash, who conveniently step well and truly back, and I don't fucking blame them one bit. (laughs) Interesting. Um, Yeah, a couple of of good spots in this one. Good heavyweight contest, but yeah. As I go back to everybody's a heel, the crowd doesn't really know what to do, but it's here to, to have this little... I don't know, section of WCW confronting the NWO, even though one of them is the Dungeon of Doom. Yeah. Yeah. So. Decent of stuff. <clears throat> yeah, uh, throughout this, um, this this talk of where Sting, you know, and, and uh, we need him back, blah, blah, blah. Bischoff asks Sting to be the leader wherever he is because they really need him now more than ever. And in between this and the next segment we get a, an advert for Halloween Havoc which still lists Fleur as going to face the giant but obviously they've not had time to edit that one out yet live Bischoff signs off by saying he hopes Macho will lace up the boots one more time it's almost like fucking Macho's just gone forever now isn't it um, to face Hogan at Halloween Havoc and says Liz is potentially the catalyst now to ending this charade with the NWO uh, given Macho's contract status which we mentioned in the previous podcast this is probably their way of giving him an out uh, the crowd cheers again, and Bischoff rolls his eyes into the back of his head to let everybody know it's NWO time again. <laughs> Hogan is well in front, and Liz is actually in amongst the rest of the NWO, somehow hit by a drink. In brackets, I put, don't be a fucking dick at wrestling fucking events. Yeah, please. Um, dismayed and being held host- hostage by the rest of the NWO. Like, the fucking the cup just bypasses every member of the NWO and hits Liz in the head. Is it really fucking necessary? Come on. Um... Like still getting hot about fucking things like that that happened 25 years ago. Yep. <laughs> Hogan gets a massive, massive pop. Uh, he says he's disappointed Savage isn't there uh, after they beat him up. He says that he has the power to push any button that he wants on Savage now. I can make him stay, I can make him go, I can just lay him out, I can do whatever. And the greatest actress in the world, Elizabeth, to which Liz attempts to slap Hogan, but Hogan blocks and violently pushes her hand and her arm down, directing her to go and stand in the corner and for the NWO disciples if you want to call them that uh, to keep an eye on her and make sure that she stays away from him Hogan resumes his tirade on Macho crying home because of her all of a sudden the nasty boys are out wearing NWO shirts looking quite happy with themselves uh, and seemingly coming down with contracts in hand Nash and Hull look a little bit dismayed as Hogan high fives them Hogan says he's delighted uh, that they're there and that they've helped him out and he thanks them for everything that they've done over the past couple of weeks 
Nobbs brings to attention a couple of clauses in the contract that state about transportation and the money. Um, in an exact, sorry, in an excitably nervous way that they were supposed to be getting more than they are, and that he's sure it's just a mistake. Hogan looks through and asks if he signed it. He hasn't. Hogan asks if he hasn't signed it. Then why are these two wearing NWO shirts? Sags, if you lip read him, says this is absolute bullshit. And Nobbs asks what Hogan means. Well. Hogan says, don't wear our fucking clothes. He doesn't say fucking. Uh, <laughs> and the NWO proceeds to assault Nobs and Sags. They spray paint them with paint, and it looks like Nobs has juiced pretty hard <laughs> in the head as well. He blades really fucking deep. Yes, he fucking does that. <laughs> like, for literally go nothing. On. For literally nothing. Nothing's actually really happened to justify uh, bleeding that fucking hard. Jeez. Well, this is it. So I thought, did they assault him with the uh, with the paint can? But I don't think they did. No, but even then, so like, it's just like a right hand, and he just sort of blades for a right. Is the paint can going to make you bleed that much? I mean, it, it, it could if you it in the right place. It probably could. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. The bottom. Um, excuse me. Hogan again goes back on the tirade about Macho taunting him with Liz, uh, saying that Liz has always dreamed of Hogan, even when they were together. And as he goes to film his film tomorrow. Uh, which he name drops multiple times in this promo, which I haven't mentioned yet, but I will do in a sec. Um, Liz is going with him to Hollywood, and quote, as I shaved my face, I'm going to make sure that while we're in Hollywood, and at this point, I kind of thought that he was going to send Elizabeth for a Brazilian, uh, but it turns out he's just going to get her a new hairdo that apparently the macho man's really going to like. Yeah. Um, For those of you out there that wanted to see this film, it's called Three Ninjas. Uh, it was the fourth instalment of the Three Three Ninjas franchise, and it made $375,000 at the box office, wow. which is probably a lot less than Hogan got for filming it. And while it was universally panned at the time, it's apparently aged very well, being referred to by some as the most 90s film you will ever see, uh, if that's a compliment. Right. <laughs> so basically, it's supposed to be more 90s than Starship Troopers. Oh, good shout. Good shout. That, right, so now I have to see that film. <laughs> I've just ruined your yeah, life. Yeah, <laughs> I need to. I need to see that film and make a judgment call. Uh, I, I'm not claiming to be an authority on nine, 90s fucking film quality, but I fucking am here. I am now. Um, yeah, I'm gonna. I'm gonna have to hunt that down. Are you gonna watch the first three as well to get the gist of what's happening? Uh, not the, the, the title of the film fucking tells you what's happening, but yeah. I might just read the cliff notes. Yeah, first show. First show. Um, there was one thing. Uh, in this in this whole segment that I got distracted by, there's a fan holding up a crown, and the crown right. is exactly the same as as one Jerry Lawler uh, wears. Exactly the same. Oh. Now, I, I, well, in the nineties anyway, it's different now. All I say is the one there is only one Jerry Lawler fan in the crowd, and he's being a fucking dick. What a surprise. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you if you if you if you're a fan of fucking Jerry Lawler that much, you're gonna fucking take a crown to a show that has absolutely nothing to do with him. Then I'm just gonna assume you're a cunt. Essentially, what he's done is he's gone against Jerry Lawler's advice, even though he's a massive Jerry Lawler mark, and gone to the show and paid his money, but he's gone with a crown, so he's hoping that Jerry Lawler's gonna forgive him. <laughs> cool. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Jerry Lawler's just gonna tune into Nitro, see his crown, and go ha ha, you know. <laughs> I didn't see him. 
uh, I concentrated quite a lot on this promo yeah. for some reason. It was just like the, uh, la- the last like thirty <laughs> seconds of the scene waving it about. It's like fucking put the crown yeah. down. <laughs> National Hall have commandeered the commentator's desk, uh, calling out Harlem Heat, saying that they're Texas Blumpkins. Wow. Uh, for those of you that don't know what a blumpkin is, nah, fuck it. I'm not explaining that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> They don't get long on the desk, though, as uh, production's cut to the audio of Liz from the video from earlier on, and Macho's uh, visual response from listening to slash watching oh, it. Oh, Jesus And that's what Christ. we end it with. Uh, all we hear is uh, Bischoff saying, uh, I'm really sorry that you had to see that, and blah, blah, blah. I actually just uh, uh, Google search Bunkin, by the way, and I wish I hadn't. Did you not know that? <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> oh, gross. <coughs> So apparently, uh, Andre the Giant was really into it. Ah, oh, for God's sake! That makes it even this worse. This is no word of a lie. Oh, no, word of a lie. no, no, no! Come on, dude. You're like I, I like to call you Brian the Brain Bradshaw because you're like the wrestling. If I'm if I have a wrestling question, you're usually the first person I go to. I'm surprised you don't know this little tidbit. Because I didn't know what a bumpkin was for a start, so obviously, like, <laughs> oh my God! And the fact that I just don't want to imagine fucking. Andrew the Giant's big fucking saggy ass. <laughs> yeah, defecating so, in a fucking toilet. I just don't want to imagine that. And you just yeah, yeah. Uh, uh. Searches, searches for the term of blumpkin by the no, uh, release. Sorry, no, after no. the release of this podcast, no, no, no. Gone up four hundred percent. Don't search it. You don't want to know. You just you won't be happy with what you find. More be curiosity, mate. You know that as well as I all, do. All I'm going to say is, like, my fucking search history is going to look really fucking weird from different ends of the spectrum. Fucking Rock or Rock and Blumpkin. Add Andre the Giant <laughs> into the mix, and it's fucking... Uh, 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 I just don't want to think about it any further than that. Thanks. Yeah, he, he loved a good Blumpkin. Uh, I can't remember what that we're in. We're in dark Side of the Wait, Wait, fucking really. ask me, because that like is very that. fucking dark. <laughs> Dark side, the dark side of that fucking ring is where the ring of the toilet and his fucking giant ass fucking leaving a shadow <laughs> over it. Like a fucking solar eclipse. Fantastic. That's just fucking great. Um, rating 3.3 to Rose 1.8. Um, and wow. before going to the results, Jesus go on, Christ. Brian. 1.8? Yeah. yeah, it got demolished. You probably have a you probably have a fair fucking reason why when I, I read the results out to you, but yeah, what what did you think, Brian? What what, what would you go for? Uh, what in terms of like rating for this match? Because I don't really do ratings for uh, sorry for the episode rating. I don't really do ratings for episodes. I just say we're a bang average episode again this week. I was on about the potential of you ever performing a blunt. Oh for fuck's life, sake! But... Can we just move on, no. please? <laughs> <laughs> Full disclosure, never happened, never will happen. Uh, I'm not into that shit. My shitting is my uh, private time. I'm just saying that now, right? Okay. <laughs> Unless your toilet's waiting. The results for Raw, uh, given it's uh, 1.8, Vader with Jim Cornette defeated, Phineas Godwin with Hillbilly Jim, Jake Roberts defeated Jerry Lawler in 10 seconds, probably because he didn't have his crown. Uh, Freddie, <laughs> Freddie Joe Floyd defeated Hunter, Hunter Hearst Helmsley via count out, Farouk defeated Alex Portor. Uh, Shawn Michaels with Jose Lothario defeated Steve Austin in disqualification. And in the Wrestling World's recap, also known as the fucking Observer, uh, Brett has been offered a $4 million a year deal by WCW. Uh, Vince has equaled it. WCW has now offered slightly more. Uh, and Brett always uh, Brett has said that he always saw WCW as a second-rate company and never really wanted to work there. 
but once you put TBS, TNT and HBO under his nose, suddenly he has something, some thinking to do due to the fact he wants to be an actor. Um, Wahoo McDaniel retired in this week in 1996. Uh, Justin Liger is headed to EMLL to do some work, which is an issue because EMLL and A, Treble A, why do I always go AAA? Treble A don't like each other, uh, like bloody almost murderously despise each other. So there's a risk that this could strain the relationship with WCW. Uh, USWA drew less than 400 people to their show in Memphis this week uh, the week before this Nitro that we've just covered Uh, they moved to Wednesday nights because the Monday night war was battering their business Uh, it isn't working Lawler again attempted to get people not to go to the WCW show the following Monday in Memphis which was this one Uh, but nearly 7,000 people showed up a recent ECW event saw Taz, Bubba Ray, Dudley, Tommy Dreamer and Sandman start fighting with people in the crowd legitimately Apparently this small section of people were throwing chairs around, so these four decided to take it upon themselves to uh, lay down the law, as it were. Gene Oakland will return to WCW very shortly after reaching a contract agreement. Uh, I think they've done all right without him, to be perfectly honest, personally. Yeah, uh, they have. That's just me. Can't say he's been missed. Not really. Eric Bischoff appeared on a Prodigy chat recently praising the WWF's post-production of its shows, but stating that WCW manages to do live much better. Uh, negotiations with Ken Shamrock and Kurt Hennig uh, keep hitting roadblocks for the WWF the WWF really wants Hennig to feud with Hunter Hearst Helmsley while Shamrock's demands are simply just way too high Uh, and finally Dave Meltzer has a lot to say about the WWF Livewire show he says the callers are dumb (laughs) Uh, (laughs) they're heavily screened anyway uh, so that they can't be asked stupid questions and that the show's more or less become uh, a Sonny is a blonde bimbo show he says it's a shame because Christ. Sonny's actually an excellent manager and should be utilised as such. Uh, he does go on to say as well that the show has had Sonny receiving love letters from uh, a semi-anonymous source, but it's actually, apparently, Hulk Hogan, which just adds further non-credence to this Jesus TV show whatsoever. Makes, Christ. Makes the product look inferior to WCW. Yeah, uh, Hulk Hogan no f- writing love letters to Sonny on uh, TV. just no fucking words. Honestly. The part of me wants it to be true. <laughs> just for shits and giggles, like, they're never going to believe this, brother. <laughs> so no words, Brian? I, I, I can't even, yeah, just... <laughs> <laughs> no words well, for that. Just no fucking words. Well, you can get Brian on Twitter at Brian Talks Crap for when he does have words to put into 140 <laughs> Fuck characters. Off. Fuck off. Uh, at NitrogenCast is where we are again. Uh, the, the Twitter, obviously, that's been that's been semi-running while we've been away, but we're, I'm glad to be back, dude. Um, we've got it out of the way. Yeah, we're, we're, the ice is broken. Yeah, we're, we're a little rusty. It's like fucking starting over again. Uh, yeah. Hopefully, it's going to be more frequent now. I, I, I think we, we discussed this last week when we were both a bit clobbered. Uh... <laughs> But uh, yeah, we are going to try and get weekly recordings in so we're well ahead. That's obviously not going to happen every single week because uh, no. we have lives, guys. Uh, but uh, yeah, we, we are going to try to make more of a conservative effort because honestly, there has been other factors, you know, other than just being lapsadaisy, but we have been a bit lapsadaisy. <laughs> you know, uh, just like, be, just generally, not, I wouldn't say being forgetful, just kind of like, Focusing on so many other things and just like putting it off as well. Like we both, we yeah. both done that. You know, where we could have yeah. just like try and squeeze in, even if it's like fucking two o'clock in the morning, and we're recording or something. 
so I wouldn't really recommend, but, you know, again, like I said, we, we have, the onus is on us to, to uh, stick to a, a more regular schedule. Yeah, that's it. And and to be honest, with everything that's been going on, we've been burnt out. You've had, you know, the dreaded learning oh, and stuff Jesus like that. We've had yes. so much on, like, it's just been insane. But it's been good to get this out of the way. It means we've got an episode up. Um, we hope you guys have enjoyed it. Give us the feedback uh, that we so desperately crave because we want to make it better for you guys to listen to as well. Um, from me, Marvellous Mark Ashworth. And from me, the dangerous Tom Brown Bradshaw, apparently. <laughs> you can be whichever gimmick you wish to be. You could be the Blue Blazer if you wanted to put the fucking thing on. I'm not the Blue Blazer. (laughs) We will see you again for another episode of the Nitrogen Podcast because this preceding announcement was paid for by the Nitrogen Podcast. I almost forgot the end. (laughs) Fucking hell, it's been too long. And in 1935, this little bottle set out on a humble mission year to spread good vibes and, of course, its unique bacteria scientifically proven to reach the gut alive. Made for your gut, your second brain, yeah. Every day is a yackle day, oh yeah.